Well, hello there, Rise Guys, and hello to you too, Rise Gals. It's a very sexy episode of Mad About Mad About You. I don't know if it's sexy. (laughs) Are you sure that's the word you wanted to use? It is the way I do it. What are you, like James Spader from Crash? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I am. I get that all the time. Just so everyone knows, this episode's mostly a fight, so... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, everybody. Sexy fights. If Mad About You was a final frontier, we're traveling outside of time and space here. So let's break it down now. It's just what we do. It's Mad About Mad About You. Welcome to Mad About Mad About You, your weekly Mad About You recap podcast. My name is Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. John, how are you? I'm okay. Oh, let's see. Oh, here's an interesting thing that happened, in my humble opinion. Not to get into this stuff immediately already, but I'm going to a black tie wedding. And I thought it would be cheaper oh. to buy a tux than rent a tux in the mm-hmm. long run. Yeah. But now I'm dying to like have more black tie invites so that I yeah. can pay for itself, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because it's going to take two or three for it to it be only, worth it. Yeah. That's the fun thing about the long run is that, yeah. it's, it, is that it's a long run. Yeah. And you never know. Right. No, as someone that hates and, running, <laughs> I'm hating this run. <laughs> Remind me how old you are? Uh, 30, uh, 59. <laughs> No, <laughs> 33 but no it's just like yeah how many yeah have you been to black tie weddings before? i've been to zero up until the one i'm going to that i bought a so 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 you're on par you're on pace for one black tie wedding every six uh, every 33 years But presumably the older we get the more black tie weddings there may or may not well yeah may or may there there because, may or may not be <laughs> yeah, <you're> absolutely. <laughs> but you know what? You're right. You may or this thing may or may not pay for itself. Then. <laughs> so I bought cufflinks because you have to, and right. I bought them on eBay because I I like I was like, oh, these can be fun. Okay, yeah, absolutely. So I stumbled upon a, a cheap set, which is the most fun. <laughs> also fun. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they weirdly were owned by a man named John Hicks, who apparently you know him. No, I made a face just now, but I'm when you said you bought something on eBay <laughs> and it happened to be owned by a man, I immediately thought of John Voigt's car <laughs> from Seinfeld. And then you said John, and I almost <laughs> lost my mind. Yes, I bought John Voigt the dentist's cufflinks. <laughs> Anyway, it would be funny if this was John Hicks, the dentist and not John Hicks, the sound mixer. <laughs> but apparently this is belongs to a man named John Hicks, who is a legendary TV sound mixer. And he mixed for a few shows you might have heard of, like Cheers, I think. Hold that. I'm pulling it up because I forget. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, shoot. OK, well, it doesn't matter. Here's the important one. He mixed a little show called Murphy Brown. Hey, so I'm get in touch with this guy. Listen, I'm pretty sure these cufflinks are have appeared or been to the technical Emmys at some point at the same table with Mr. Barnett Kelman. I think that's very wow. plausible, don't you? These shared a table with the king with with BK with Burger King yeah. himself. 
I think that's plausible, right? I think so, absolutely. I mean, he's one of the he's a legendary uh, sound mixer. That's awesome. So these are, this is a big ticket item. This is a steal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, coming in at twenty bucks. Oh, what's the line from State in Maine? Which that one? Mammoth movie where it's just like these cufflinks are used. They're better than uh, it's uh, good as new. Better than new because they got a story. Oh yeah, I thought you were. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be a cutting line. No, it's a sweet line. No, it's a sweet line. It's a they, Rebecca uh, line. Oh, that's why I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. It's not cufflinks. It's a typewriter. Yes, but also, I mean, oh, they, does it call they, back they, later? She says it a few times. She says it a few times. She says it about the typewriter, and she says it when she fixes his glasses with the fishing line. Nope. Yep. 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 Oh, but there's no cufflinks reference, right? No, you were there are replacing no cufflinks it. in that movie. Yep. Very good. Call it, let's call it an analogy. Why not? Did everyone follow that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they did. I mean, everybody knows state and Maine to like the back of their hand. Yeah. I'm sure they did. <laughs> yeah, surely as well as we do. Though, again, Russ, these people that listen to this show seem to know a lot more than we do at times there about weirder things. Not, uh, I'll tell you. That I'm sounded just... like I was calling everyone stupid. What I'm saying is <laughs> I think we know a lot about stupid things, and it surprises me. How much more people know about stupid things, but that also makes it sound like a lot of people stupid, but it's not. You all yeah, know what you I kinda, mean. Keep digging. You yeah. keep digging. So you're doing great. Uh, okay, so if you're listening to a podcast, you're stupid, what right? I'm By definition, is you people okay. are stupid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you people are stupid, but we're also stupid. Listen, we're, but then you're stupid. An idiot, like you're right? really stupid. Yeah, yeah. Except, <laughs> except Paul Reiser, Danny Jacobson, Helen Hunt. Oh, the best. How are you, boy? I took 20 minutes. How are you? I'm good. Cool. Okay, so <laughs> this is an interesting episode to me for many reasons, starting with, well, okay, it's called The Wedding Affair. It aired mm-hmm. on February 6th, 1993. It's episode, uh, season one, episode 15, but it aired on Feb 6, 93, which I looked mm-hmm. up. Who's doing math? Who's doing math in their head? I'll tell you what. Until last that week. is about seven days from last week. I, I can tell it you that much. Not- Mm-mm. And I double checked it in a few places because I thought I was going crazy. So did I. Because it's a Saturday night. It's a Saturday night. A sitcom on a Saturday night. They move mad about you to Saturday night. That's bad usually. Now at least. Well, now yes. But at the time, let's barrel right into must hear TV. Please. Because at the time, I'm so excited about this move to Saturday. I can't wait. This opens up worlds for us. Because Saturday night, first of all, we've done 11 weeks of the same or we've done we've done what? 14, 14 weeks 14. of the same night. So we have milked Wednesdays for all that it is worth. Yeah. And, it, you know, it turns out I now have a instrumental ping pong team I'm part of on Wednesday night so I can no longer watch the <laughs> so, show when it's so, scheduled. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a big move for me. Thank God. So this is good. This will free up some time. Yeah. Now you don't have that conflict. You no. don't have to get that babysitter. Yeah. This is a good a good change. I'm a single um, father with an intramural ping pong team. <laughs> In 1993. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Saturday nights in the early 90s on NBC was a big night for television. Huh. Yeah. It was. We're going to get to these shows later. Okay. But the big thing on Saturday nights was Empty Nest. Are you kidding me? Empty Nest. That was on was Saturday? On NBC. Yeah. What? Who can't? What? The old people don't go out on Saturdays. They stay home and watch Empty Nest. I guess so. That wasn't a big was show, the, was it? Yeah. It was like a big show, though. It was big for, look, I was. Big for the uh, time. I remember loving that show when I was 10. And also grandparents loved that show. Yes. Which are two demographics that, as we know, buy a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought we were trying not to hit 18 to 35. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
Well, uh, look, I mean, both of those shows, they did okay, but they're not still running shows about senior citizens on Saturday nights. No. So it didn't it didn't maintain for too long. Well, because they all died. They all, that's true. <laughs> that that age bracket, yeah. the demographic just died out. Uh, okay, so what else was there? Well, on at 8 o'clock uh-huh. on NBC was the Torkelsons. <gasps> I remember the Tor- That was Saturday night, too? Saturday nights. Do you think they were trying to, like, softly compete with, like, TGIF, not compete, but be like, you know what? We're going to have our it was night. A, that's a lousy competition because TGIF was specifically about a different day of the week. Yes, I guess competitions. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Torkelson's a family show. Empty Desk was like a family show. That's all I'm saying. It was a largely a family-friendly kind of evening. Yeah, and then this, though. This RNC-17 rated Mad About You episode. Yeah, that's true. Actually, boy, oh, yeah. Boy. So Torkelson's Empty Nest... Torkelson's was on. Empty Nest was on. We're going to get to these other shows soon. I can't wait to do it because also Nurses was on. Yes, that was a spinoff of Empty Nest, right? Yes, it was. Sisters was on. Don't remember that. And then on other channels, there would be like there was a movie of the week. Right, right, there right. Were a lot, and Saturday nights, there's there's recap shows. There's like, whatever happened to these toys? Oh, where are they? Or, oh. Where, like that, that, not necessarily those, these toys. That's more Oh, like you a, mean a, podcasts? Yeah. Yeah. ABC had visual podcasts back <laughs> in the early 90s, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Bet you they cost so a lot more than in, this one does. Yeah. <laughs> Bazinga. Um, we're going to get into all of that fun stuff in the weeks to come. The Torkelsons. If you remember the Torkelsons, you remember the first season of the Torkelsons. Because if you remembered the second season of the Torkelsons, you'd remember Almost Home. Because That's this an is a show that no, that is a that is what they changed the show title to. <gasps> what? But did they change anything else? Yes. Okay. <laughs> they they moved the family. So I basically, long story short, there's a very large Wikipedia oh. article about this show. Okay. Oh, and great. it's full of mostly nothing. It's basically the Brady Bunch, the Torkelsons. Oh, really? I don't remember a Basically, father. Well, the uh, it's it's half the second season became Brady Bunch. Oh, the first yeah. season was like just if like before they got together. Well, there's just not the girl really side. Get together. There's just an interest. There's a the the, the oh. John, are you gonna, are you gonna let are you gonna let me do my segment? Yes, I'm sorry. Or are you gonna ask yeah, all no, these please, questions? Please, please, please. Yeah, good. Yeah, I'll just you. shut oh. up for the next twenty minutes. Go. You have the floor. <laughs> you have the floor. <laughs> so we open. On Millicent Torkelson. <laughs> Are you hijacking this thing? Yeah. It- All right. It's time for a rust about you. Yeah. Uh, um, Millicent Torkelson was a single mother, mm-hmm. and she's trying to get by while raising five children in the small town of Pyramid Corners, Oklahoma. Okay. That is the plot. That is a backdrop of the first of the pilot episode of season one. Yeah, it's like at the Brady Bunch before the Brady Bunch starts. Yes, basically. Well, the families in yeah. dire straits financially. Oh, that's a real and place. So they take in. They take in a border. Is it really? Yeah, it's a great name. Oh, it's a ghost town. <laughs> it <laughs> well, just well, yeah, because I'm on an old they, website they work... and it says there's a field on the like page that just says remains. It says old store, which is now a private residence and a few commercial buildings. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, they worked that into the plot of the Torkelsons because in, I guess, because the night of February 6th, Uh 1993, was the first night, actually, of season two. Okay. It was the first night of Almost Home. Mm -hmm. And in that episode, 
the family relocates because Millicent accepts a job in Seattle as a nanny for a widowed businessman. Where? And Seattle? He, in Seattle. Okay. And they all uh, wind up at the Grey's Anatomy Hospital. No, that's not true. Wait, really? But, oh. No. No, that's probably in Vancouver. <laughs> so the Torkelsons arrive at the Morgans. That's the name of the other family. And the kids from this other family, two of them, were Brittany Murphy and James Marsden. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Brit- Brittany kooky. Murphy passed away, right? She did. Okay. I get her mixed up with Kate Hudson, I think. Uh, Kate Hudson is still alive. Is Brittany Murphy the roller girl? No, that is Heather Graham. Oh, then I get them mixed up. <laughs> you get it. It's a classic Graham Which Murphy, one's in Casablanca? conundrum. <laughs> That's Humphrey Bogart. That's a, oh, very good, very good. People think that he was Roller Girl all the time. <laughs> um, so they, yeah, they played a couple of the kids, and one of the the main kids from the first, from both first and second season, was played by Lee Norris, mm-hmm. who also played. He was uh, better known as Minkus from Boy Meets World. Oh, yeah, well, I don't remember Minkus. I remember the name though. I don't remember the guy. He was from the early seasons. He was the nerdy kid, bowl cut. <laughs> I don't know. He sounds like glasses. a loser. Yeah. Oh, well, that was. Yeah. No, I'm joking. But yeah. I mean, you know and I mean. you and you sound like a bully. Well, also, Sean uh, had yeah. a bowl cut, didn't he? That's true. Sean did have a bowl cut. So, uh, you know what? A lot, most of most people on that show had a bowl cut. It was of the time. Except Corey had those cool curls. <laughs> those cool, cool curls. Yeah. Those cool Paul Buckman curls. <laughs> Slash Eric Bogosian. Ooh. Oh, that's yeah. coming up today. Is it? Yeah, but keep going. Keep going. Oh my gosh. So yeah, so the 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 first season I also learned the first season was produced by Disney and the second season was produced by Touchstone. Oh, interesting. Which I think yeah, I think is pretty interesting. I like I don't know what the difference is. I don't know how that played out, but I like to think that the first season was all squeaky clean and the right. second season they moved to Seattle and they're like, "Okay, you're a drug mule now." Yeah, right. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some details on the business. I'm a drug lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These are my kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pharmaceuticals from Canada. <laughs> this is Brittany Murphy. She's going to wind up dying, and people are going to think that it's drug related. This episode directly reflects on that. Yeah, this is the beginning. <laughs> so yeah, so that was the Torkelson slash almost home. Okay, that is, was television. That wait, night. is that it? When That's did it w- when did Mad About You start? Or like what time? Um, Mad About You, I believe, was on at nine o'clock. Oh my gosh! Put the kids to bed. Either nine or nine thirty. It might have been the nine thirty slot. Wow. After it was on after Yeah. It was on after uh after Empty Nest before Sisters. Oh, okay. So yeah, it sounds like nine. And then what was on a ten, do you know? Yeah. I'm curious. That's eh, okay. Who cares? Check in on it. It doesn't really matter, right, people? None <laughs> of this does, does it? Really? <laughs> Who can know? Who can never be sure? Well <laughs> But yeah, well we can, and I'm going to be. <laughs> I mean, if that's the question we're asking, I mean, anyone can attest to the, the most important thing of this podcast is truth. Sisters was an hour long. It was a sitcom, too. There was an hour long. Oh, was it? Oh, my gosh. Wow. Empty Nest. Yeah. Uh, Nurses was on for an hour, I guess. People wanted to spend this much time in Florida medical facilities every week. I guess so. an hour and a half a night, a Saturday night. Nurses was an hour. Empty Nest was on at nine for a half hour, followed by Mad About You. And Sisters was on at 10. Oh, what was on after Torkelson's? I just clicked another button and I can't see what was on, but we just talked about it. Empty Nest. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was Torkelson's, then Nurses for an hour. Oh, 8.30, 9.30. 
Is this spaced strangely? It must be it because is. everything you're okay. saying doesn't line up with anything you said before. Sense. Yeah, sorry. Torkelson's eight o'clock. Nurses, eight thirty. Empty nest, nine o'clock. Mad about you, nine thirty. Sisters seems to be an hour. But Wait, maybe what was the eight thirty one? Eight thirty was nurses. Oh my gosh. Okay, because like in my head, nurses became sisters, and then you said sisters again, and I was like, there was a thirty minute and an hour long one. No. Sisters. Yeah. Wait, no, what was they... sisters again? Is that like nurses? I'm trying to determine. I'm trying to. It must be. There can't is... be. There can't be this two hours of Florida Medical Center content on a Saturday no, night. No, no, no. Okay, no. Sisters was a drama with Swoozy Kurtz. Wait. And... It was a thirty-minute drama. No, it was a nine. It was a, a ninety-minute. Now I'm making up time lengths. It was a sixty-minute drama. Oh, Sisters with, was a ten. Yeah, Swoozy Kurtz and Celia Ward. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, Julianne Phillips. Oh, I mean, I don't know any of these people except Swoozy, who I don't know, yeah. but you know, I know. Sure. <laughs> You know, biblically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the only way I know her. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah, for sure. Isn't that weird, everyone, T- that there was normal TV on a weekend? <laughs> it's weird to me. And then the news oh, and then SNL. There you go. And 92, uh, we'll have to talk about 92, 93. We'll get into, we'll get into SNL from 93. I wonder if point. Paul and Helen ever hosted. I, don't, I feel like they didn't. I'd be very surprised if they did. I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe, maybe Helen. Maybe Helen. She won awards for four straight years. He didn't? No, I don't think he ever won one. You know what's funny about this show, guy? I know most recap shows know all this stuff. We don't know. Also, you know what we don't do, I noticed? And I don't care. Birthdays. <laughs> yeah. Do you care about birthdays in real life for us? Like your birthday, yeah. people's birthday? Like, you know, oh, you do? Well, that wasn't even a no. That was like a yeah, sure. No, I mean, I. I like, do you take the day off? Birthday? No. Exactly. I don't do right. that. Same. Well, two things about that. First of all, I'm like, no, I don't, because you just go to work and have the day. Right. But also, less so with work, but um, you want to be with people, I think. Yes, you don't want to be alone. When, well, some people yeah. do, but I don't, certainly. Some people do, but yeah, but that's the thing. You're just like, oh, I get to do whatever I want. I'm taking the day off. I'm going to hang out right. and do this, that, and the other. And then it's just like, no, that's less fun than being in a being surrounded by people and having them wish you a happy birthday. Oh, uh, I don't like that either, though. Well, I just want to uh, be around people. <laughs> I don't like well, talking the thing about, about it. Yeah, the thing about where I work now is that nobody knows or cares that it is my oh, birthday. Oh, lucky. So I'm just like, yeah. I'm going like, to go into work. Yeah, incognito. And be surrounded by people who uh, just don't care about the fact that it's my birthday. And so, so right, I'm, right, right. I've shot myself in the foot on this plan. Indeed. <laughs> it's just, you know, I don't care when Paul Reiser's birthday is. You know what I mean? I hear what you are saying. He's having his I birthday. What, what do I mean? care? I don't care. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Unless I'm invited or no one. Now you sound like Larry David. Oh, really? I don't know what his is. I don't care either. Who cares? It's uh, birthday. I don't care. Yeah. Okay. Good birthday. Also, yeah. once I hit, I think, 31, maybe, I thought, oh, okay, I don't need to do this nonstop. Like, because you do it every <laughs> year because it's exciting when you're a kid. But well, then that's it's the like... thing. You used, you used to do nonstop birthdays. You used to <laughs> celebrate a birthday two times a month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not... It was crazy. Right. So, yeah, you burnt you yeah, down and celebrating Yeah, now I'm down to one a, one a year. One a year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the description is, this is an interesting one. Paul badgers Jamie into telling him a secret, and he's sorry he does. Yeah. Fascinating, because it could be set anywhere. But That's if true. you couple it with the episode name, this is the first time I realized, ah, a TV guide description writer can look to the episode name as well for things that might be redundant in their description and or need to be mentioned. That's true. Another layer. How many drafts do you think TV guide writers do? Hundreds. <laughs> I think they buy little legal pads that are two lines long and very wide. 
and they just rip <laughs> they them just, off and crumple them right up. Yeah. Just a, a mountain. It takes them eight of, years to fill a waste basket balls. with bad ideas, <laughs> but it takes hours of writing. I'm sure you're right. <laughs> I know I am. Oh, gosh. What happened, John? What was what was in the news? Oh, well, as you all know, okay, it wasn't two weeks, fine, but it was a little more than one week, so I got a few interesting stories, and just a nice heads up, they are all uh, pretty uplifting this week. It's some good stuff. Caught some criminals, caught, you know, found some funny mm-hmm. things, uh, some good New York news. Dateline. Great. Go ahead. Baby boy left in gym bag is expected to recover. Hey. All right. Oh, this is this is a good story. This is good news. This is Feb 493. No one's going to be surprised to find out that this happened in Mineola, Long Island. An island hey, that seems Mineola. to be full of bozos, morons, and kids that are in trouble. <laughs> That's where I got my driver's license. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I can't imagine what your driving teacher had been in jail for before he became a driving <laughs> teacher because I know it was something. Because... Boy, are the early 90s reflecting poorly on your uh, hometown, home island, let's say. It's, I know it's big. I know Long Island's big. Uh, listen, I mean, it's long. the only reason I'm bringing this up is because the first line really grabbed me. First, they named him Jim, J-I-M, because the police found him in a gym bag in some bushes where he was abandoned less than an hour after he was born. But what cops said, what do we call him? Uh, Jim? <laughs> right, Jim bag. We're gonna call. Yeah, we gotta call you something. Yeah. By the way, he's alive, right? <laughs> good, good, good. Okay, okay. Do you think there was one guy who was just like, let's call him Bag? <laughs> <laughs> Come here, Bag. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you think so? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the bad guy never got anything he wanted in life. <laughs> But he, you know, it's it, thank God he recovered. Me, me and me and Bag are gonna have Chinese food for lunch. You want you want to do that? He's got... and we're gonna have pizza with Jim. What is this? Three cops um... and a baby. <laughs> Tom Selleck, Ted Danson, and who's the third one? They find a baby in a bag. <laughs> who's the third one? Steve Gutenberg. That's why. Sorry, Steve. But also, <laughs> you knew that what, this happens all the time to you, I'm sure. You know where Steve Gutenberg is from? Long Island? Massapequa, Long oh! Island. Oh! <laughs> he grew up a town over from me. As uh, Seinfeld uh, used to say in his routine, uh, it's uh, Indian for by the mall. For, yep. I've been to that mall. Sunrise Same? Mall. The Wait, best. you know my grandmother used to have a stall there. No, I didn't. Do you? Oh. Huh. Hey, hey, John. Yeah. Uh, how would I know that your grandma used to have a stall there? Because we've been friends for 10 years, so maybe I mentioned it. <laughs> for all the time. You, you know what? That's a Is fair, that plausible? That's a fair, Is that plausible? That's a, that's a plausible <laughs> thing to say. I just like the idea of you either introducing yourself that way. No, I don't. Having a, news, <laughs> having a newsletter. Hey, man. Funny show. I'm John. My grandmother uh, used to have a kiosk <laughs> at uh, Sunrise Mall in Massapequa, Long Island. <laughs> All we need, we're the Garys. All we need to get started is a suggestion of anything at all. Hi, I'm John. Uh, (laughs) Kiosk. Great. (laughs) That makes me think about. Not even great. I just go, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, do you have any memories? Did your mom like buying things for the house or no? I mean, yeah, she decorated the house with stuff. Do do you have any memories of like a, a stall or kiosk with like wreaths? And like dried flowers and hat, like Victorian hats with like flowers glued to them and like big swags with sticks and twigs. She didn't get that kind of stuff. Ah, shoot. 
I spend time in Mass Piqua after hours. Oh, yeah? Yeah, unloading stuff, merchandise, loading stuff. Because, you know, my grandparents were in the uh, mall sales business, so a lot of time at malls after they're closed going in uh, weird exits and entrances. It's fun. Oh, cool. Yeah, I see the veins of malls. They were at Sunrise and one other mall that I forget the name of. Broadway Mall. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, tell me about Bag. It, it, bag's over. Okay. <laughs> but I think you should write that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's a great one. No, wait. Not that one. Yes. Oh, this is interesting. Oh, wait. Quite a journey, isn't it, listeners? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the news. <laughs> Uh, who cares? Posing as welfare recipient, <laughs> agency head finds indignity. Feb 5, 1993. The head of the welfare agency in New York, coincidentally, and I know it's not what George was doing, but it is public service. Her name was Barbara Sobel. Well, Sable, okay? But I'm changing. In my head, it's Mrs. Sobel, okay? That's all. Uh, who, who was I mad about you? It doesn't matter. Disguised in a sweatshirt, <laughs> jeans, and scarf or wig, Barbara J. Sable, the head of the city's HR Human Resources Administration, posed as a welfare applicant over the course of the last year to experience firsthand the huge bureaucracy she administers. Isn't that... So this was Undercover Boss before Undercover Boss. Yes, without the cameras, because that's not what yeah. it was about. No, it's about <laughs> making things better. I also love, though, she's like, because this is afterwards, she's like, I ceased to be, said Mrs. Sable, back to normal in a purple suit, jewelry, and heels in her, <laughs> in her spacious office this week. <laughs> Which feels a Don't little worry, backhanded this... by the journalist. Yeah, this nightmare is <laughs> over. <laughs> she suffered numerous indignities. She handed over a set of personal documents and had they, they lost them. She was sent more than once to the wrong office. She waited in long, sometimes fruitless lines. She sat in seedy waiting, room, waiting rooms with cockroaches, broken chairs, broken telephones. Yikes. Yeah, I mean, this is great. This is a great thing they did. I, I, <laughs> yeah. wish, I wish Congress people would have to, like, you know, go live the life of, like, someone who's dealing with insurance stuff or something. And I mean, just to see, it's good, you have to see. It's like what uh, Henry V did in uh, Henry V. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that, though? He goes undercover as the uh, Duke, I think, or something, and goes and talks to people. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah, and he wants to know what they think of him. This one's a little less narcissistic, but in the ballpark. <laughs> I want to go and see Henry V, and in the middle of it, just stand up and go, oh, like undercover boss. No, not even just, oh, like Mrs. Sable from the, uh... <laughs> well, you know what, though? Isn't Undercover Boss also about the bosses, how people perceive the boss? Sometimes. Oh, okay. It's about both. Sometimes it'll come up. But it's more about the job. Yes. Good. My favorite thing about Undercover Boss is that I've watched it a bunch and they, you know, they undergo pretty, uh, you know, makeup that is generally not the best, <laughs> it, which is weird. It's like a professional television show. And yeah. It's, sometimes it's like, wow, you look really good. But other times it's like, you look ridiculous. And this is a strange makeup job. But more than that, it's like they're the, the CEO or the assistant right. to the CEO of just like some company right. and this posits that all of the people in some like some chain are going to know are going to recognize the ceo of their company by looks alone yeah if you you know if they were yeah they, like know, if they, they just wore normal clothes they'd probably be fooled yeah yeah they work in right. some franchise they work in some franchise sub shop yeah and they're like, you got to put me in a mullet because if these people see my face. Yeah, it's you're right. It speaks to the narcissism of the CEO. They're going to say, yeah. that's Frank Mankinson. Listen, I don't want to get mobbed when I go down there, okay? Yeah. So. <laughs> 
People tend to get really excited <laughs> when their boss comes down. <laughs> that being said, I can think of, I think, two episodes where somebody has, like, spotted the person. And they'd be like, are you Frank Mankinson? And he'll be like, yes, I am. You got to chill. <laughs> he kills you them. chill out. He puts a knife in their neck. <laughs> he kills them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yes, I am. And then the rest of the episode, the rest of the episode is the boss on the lamb. <laughs> Undercover. It becomes a murder episode. Yeah, it becomes the fugitive. <laughs> I didn't kill my wife. I killed my coworkers. <laughs> I, killed, I killed my subordinates. <laughs> they recognized me. I was trying to give them money and they recognized <laughs> me. What was I supposed to do? Now I've got so much blood on my hands. <laughs> a tale of inside aid in eight million dollar robbery. Whoa. The man suspected of driving a getaway car in the eight point two million dollar robbery of a Brooklyn armored car company last December turned in three Confederates, gave away the hiding place of the bulk of the loot, and confirmed what investigators had believed all along. There was an inside job. Whoa. It's the second largest robbery in uh, New York history, I think. Do you think the, is the first one that uh, one from Goodfellas? Probably. Yeah, right. The Lufthansa heist. Yeah, I forget how yeah. big it was, but boy, there are planes. There are planes involved. Right. They found all this money in this guy's apartment. <laughs> Can you believe that? Or no, not his apartment. It was like an empty. It was just like an abandoned apartment that they knew about or something. But can you imagine eight billion bucks like just sitting there? No, I really can't. Like cash. It's still. It sounds like we're screwing this, these facts up. Wait, we're, oh, but it, right. It, but it can't be. Wait, what do you mean? It means, I mean, like, it sounds like, since we're saying, yeah, the number one, number one was the Lufthansa heist involving a fleet of airplanes. Right. Number two was <laughs> this guy, was, was apartment 6F on 141st Street. It's like, Honestly, yeah, though, you're, well, because, I mean, it's hard to steal this much money, so it doesn't yes. happen that often. You know what I mean? <laughs> and this was an inside job. You should job. write a book, John. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I should be the police commissioner. <laughs> or James Comey. This guy, so like, oh uh, yeah, he said his client lived alone and conspicuously in a one-room apartment at 114, oh, North 7th Street in Brooklyn. Isn't that Williamsburg? Uh, he lived, maybe. He lived like across from like Egg or whatever. <laughs> what, whatever the like. Who knew? He should have he just put, he should have just bought the building. Is Egg a fake place? No, I think it's real in Williamsburg, right? It's like a hip brunch place. Oh, I don't know. You're probably hey, right. Russ, get like, out of Bensonhurst every now and then. <laughs> you're uh, you're not wrong. Oh man, <laughs> egg could be anything. I love the idea of egg being a brunch place. It could be what else a could weird, it be? I mean, you could see egg being the name of some weird dance club. Yeah, but that's a bad. No, <laughs> I'm sorry, but no. You you're telling people... me. Oh, the name that's a food? Yes. I guess it could be a restaurant, or I mean, my in my head, the first thing that comes to mind is a nightclub. <laughs> Isn't that the same for everyone? Or it could also be the name of a gym. It could be a sneaker company. Uh, oh, a car. <laughs> Egg, like a car, it could be. That's so crazy you didn't say car. It could be, oh, it could be the name of a country. Oh, is that what he meant? He was an egg? Oh, that's, uh, oh, boy. Huh, it's so you know what's so weird is that it's a restaurant when it could be all those things? It's a restaurant. That's crazy. This is this is the segment of the show called <laughs> Russ thinks words have no meaning. <laughs> <laughs> They're just sounds. <laughs> oh, egg? Well, egg could be glasses or <laughs> egg could be a phone. Egg, egg could egg could be your word for four eggs. <laughs> egg. <laughs> 
I'll have the egg, egg could please. be a chicken. <laughs> Did I just mess your head up? Woo. Also, what's weird is this guy's name, his alias was Joseph Jesus James, which I'm saying Jesus because his first and last name are both like waspy. But then sure. his real name is... <laughs> I read it wrong. Never mind. <laughs> never mind. Less fun. Yeah. Nope. I read it wrong. Yeah. Never mind. I thought he had changed his name for an alias and only kept the Jesus part. And I was like, that's the giveaway. <laughs> like, Not the giveaway, but that <laughs> narrows it down, certainly. Sure. Like, if you have a question about whether this might be the guy, and you see that, you're like, he's probably the guy. <laughs> probably the guy. Okay. Dateline. <laughs> Go ahead. Uncle of mafia informants found slain in Brooklyn. Whoa. Feb 3, 93. Okay, basically two years ago, Peter Chiodo of Staten Island was shot a dozen times. A dozen times and only wounded because he's 500 pounds. Holy so cow. So just imagine this beast walking outside, getting shot 12 times in the chest to be like, take me to a hospital. <laughs> A dozen bullets, huh? A dozen. You know what else comes in dozens? An egg? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, holy cow, 500 pounds, and so there were only flesh wounds? Yeah. I mean, he was a little hurt, but yeah. <laughs> and once, Man. once he got shot 12 times, he just turned against everyone. But also, 500 pounds, his name was Big Pete. That's it. <laughs> Which I feel like is a nickname you could get if you were between 175 and 5,000 pounds, I guess. <laughs> like, big as, big as pretty bad. I mean, like, he, there's a chance you're he was right, big so as the, Pete. You know what I mean? So, right. he, so uh, Big Pete is kind of towards the low end of the minimum weight requirement. Yeah, well, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> For, Yeah. He was a capo in the Lucchesi crime family. Wow. Yeah, they got a I captain. Like big, I want to see Big Pete come out weighing 500 pounds and be like, hi, I'm Big Pete. And they're just like, you ain't Big Pete. This is Big Pete. Oh, crack it. And then yeah. some 3,000 3, pound man shows up. Right. He's like, I'm also named Pete. Who are you? If there's a 3,000 pound man in the mafia, the mafia wins. <laughs> yeah. Because if you can't take this guy down with 12 bullets, you're going to need an army. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know what? I'm going to skip this story about kazoos because who cares? This is a quick one. Rebbe, but not the Messiah, as Lubavitch's compromise. <laughs> Wait. Sure. What? An event billed as the Grand Rabbi of Lubavitch's coronation as the King Messiah turned into a frenzy of singing and dancing last night in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, as thousands of ecstatic followers pleaded with the Rebbe to reveal himself in all his messianic glory. But the 90-year-old Rabbi, Menachem Mendel Schneerson, whose name I forget is famous. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's a reference. Who appeared before the crowd oh for eight minutes in a wheelchair did not accept the messianic mantle. He's partly paralyzed and unable to speak following a stroke a year ago, but his official spokesman, Rabbi Yehuda Krinsky, said the Rebbe is acknowledging nothing. So... Wow. What a disappointing end. A bunch of hostages walking saga. around Crown Heights going, what do I do with this beeper now? <laughs> what, what is this beeper? I got this beeper. <laughs> yeah. Also, I found a video of him, and I put it in here, but let me tell you something, Russ. It is boring. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, if you want to watch an old man say the most predictable things in a Jewish, what do you guys call sermons at Temple? Sermons. Okay, well, that's all it is. Like, you know what I mean? And it's in uh, Hebrew, so you can't understand it. So it really would work on the podcast. But I watched like 10 minutes of it, and I was like, yeah, this is boring. Are you guys? Okay, tweet at us <laughs> if you would like to hear... A boring Hebrew sermon. Yes, please sweep. That's not a sweepstakes. Poll. Poll. 
<laughs> yeah. But there are there are moments, you know, the clapping, the singing, the uh, music and the clapping. Yeah. I don't know terms okay. for any of this because I grew up in a Protestant church, but. The, well, they call it clapping, but uh, <laughs> you can say, <laughs> you can say, you know, oh my songs God. with clapping, not just, well, it's different. You know, the clapping as though. I'm like Chris Tucker in Rush Hour happen, or something. That doesn't happen out what of What do nowhere. you guys call just... cheeseburgers? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> We call it unkosher. <laughs> but they clap so hard. But even that doesn't translate in the podcast. I know that sounds dumb, but you don't understand. They clap so hard and fast that it becomes manic in this video. That's all. Interesting. I want to see you having a conversation with the rabbi. Oh. And, just being like, and just being like, I'm fascinated by your culture. I've seen videos. You folks clap so hard. <laughs> They're very understanding, though, usually, clergy. That's true. Yeah, he would come at me with love. Here's one. Here's a very relevant one. Dateline. I tried to discover. Is that a A little something to make me Is that music, right? Is that by the band Dateline? I don't know. Go ahead. Oh, is that? Yeah. People. That was a song. That was a song by James. Song called Laid. Oh. You know it. It's a pop song. I don't. It's the best. Feb second, nineteen. I don't. I I should, but I don't. Now I do. Okay. Bill is passed by assembly on gay rights. Feb second, nineteen ninety three, in New York. What happened? In the you know in the New York. Okay. Not not federally, of course. They added sexual orientation to the list of classes protected by from discrimination. Great. Do you believe that? That's great. It is incredible. Uh, no, Miss Click. Miss Click. Uh, the most tender moment belonged to Miss Click, who began her speech by saying she had, quote, faced discrimination as a Jew, as a woman, as a lesbian. Later, she added, there are people who think they know me because they know one thing about me and all of their misconceptions come into play. Miss Click said that before going public about her sexual preference 20 years ago, she had tried very hard not to be gay because I understood hatred and I heard people say to be lesbian or to be gay is unnatural. It's only unnatural if you are not lesbian or gay. It's very natural for me. It is incredibly important for this society to finally rid itself of the last vestiges of ignorance, she said, because it is ignorance that leads to prejudice and bigotry. So we're good. <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> it's done. And then and here we go. Wash. Everyone wants to hear from Assemblyman Anthony S. Sem Seminario, don't we? <laughs> of course we do. We have no idea what he's going to say either, do we? What what's he got? What's up his sleeves? I own a house. I own a two family house. I should have the right to see who's going to live there or not. Come on, wake up! I broke my back to support that house. Worked three jobs to pay the mortgage. Is some clown in here is going to tell me that I can't discriminate on who I want to live in my apartment? Which the syntax yeah. threw me, but I guess I think he bought a duplex because part of me was like, well, wouldn't they be your roommate then? <laughs> and in which case, yeah. you should be able to discriminate like, based on sure, what yeah, you, you want. Can, you can yeah. you can choose there. But no, I think it's a dupe. He had a duplex, and so it's two homes in one big house. You know what I mean? I got a kick out of the way that she began her statement by saying, "This is big because I am a Jew, mm -hmm. I am a woman, mm -hmm. and I am a lesbian, and people try to label me on one thing." And she's just <laughs> basically, "No, I have three labels. I have three labels, not one." <laughs> very, very clearly, yeah. I like to be. Right. I either want to be discriminated yeah, on all three or zero. <laughs> Yeah, I like to be put into three boxes, <laughs> please, and have those completely. <laughs> well, Russ, my identity. Those are the boxes that she was put into by society. 
I get, you know what? That's yeah. true. So I take it back. I'm sorry. I'm the jerk. Yeah. Again. Well, you. I'm sure you voted for Mr. Assemblyman Seminiero. There you go. What a tough name. Look, all I'm saying is that we should have boxes. We should put Jews in a box. Yeah. We should put lesbians oh, in a no. box. Oh, we should put no. women in a box. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> that's that's all I'm saying. This is this. That's not a big Hitler. This is a big Hitler. <laughs> this is a moving story about New York. A Jew. Oh, this is interesting. A Jew, a woman. It doesn't say this, but not a lesbian. And still a scientist. Okay. Two of the three of uh, Glick. Sure. As befits a scientist, Salome Welsh, however, I don't know how to say it, has cultivated meticulous habits. Each morning, she rises at exactly 5.55 in her Morningside Heights apartment, makes breakfast, reads the paper, walks to meet colleagues who drive her to her lab at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine in the Bronx. At 8.30, she begins checking to see which of her mutant mice gave birth overnight. She's 85 years old, far older than the science of molecular genetics that she pursues. For 50 wow. years, she'd been examining mouse embryos, and for longer, she is held to the rigors of a life in science in the face, first, of prejudices against Jews in Germany. In Germany! She had come to the United States in 1933 after Hitler ordered universities to fire Jews. Wow. But even before that, she recalled, when she looked for work in life, she was told, you're a Jew and a woman? Forget it. Okay, now I feel bad about those box jokes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you did? It just got very, yeah. it just got very oh, real. Very <laughs> real. In New York, she recalled, no one ever mentioned you. Here it was just, you're a woman, so forget it. Okay, now it's funny again. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, her first husband, a biologist, taught at Columbia. She managed to get an unpaid, unpaid job there as a researcher. Unpaid. Jeez. How about 0% on the dollar at Columbia? Where she working? Wow. As a researcher. She said, imagine, I felt grateful to work for nothing. Do you believe that? I know, ma'am. But what a resilient woman. Yeah, for sure. In the mid-50s, it was not until the mid-50s she began to realize she was being unjustly treated. I simply did not see why I couldn't get an assistant professorship when I was doing everything an assistant professor did. But I asked the chairman for such an appointment. He just said, what? You? A woman? What? That's shocking. I mean, I know I'm sure the women are annoyed hearing two guys say there's sexism. <laughs> but No, there's sexism for sure. And yes, we are the worst. Being men but, who are but this is, I surprised mean, or outright. We're not surprised, the, the, the though. Fact, it's just, it's, it's no, so jarring the, it, sometimes. It is, to... it is shocking to hear people be open right. about it. Right. Yes. It wasn't even unusual. Right. It, well, it's not just, you know, we're used to coded language yeah. and sexism that you have to dig a tiny bit for. Yeah. And having somebody say, no, it's not sexism. It's just, I know this person and I'm looking for these quali uh, you know, qualifications and X, Y, and Z. Now for somebody to be like, no, I'm not going to pay a woman that. Yeah. No, right. Right. You're a woman, so no. Yeah. Thanks for coming in, though. You do great work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There are more oh, opportunities man. for women, but it's still harder for women than for men. Maybe it always will be. After all, the burden of balancing a career and family life is always greater for women. You often have to stay late at the lab, and men can do that easier than women. I remember when I had the first of my two children, I had a good woman friend, a scientist, who regarded my pregnancy very critically. For her, it was as if I was abandoning, abandoning my commitment to science. Closing quote. They ask her, what what now? What what she want now that she's 85? She goes, well, I want to get more grants to keep on studying. My wish is to die in my mouse room. That is lovely and wonderful and very specific. I love, <laughs> I love that funny phrase. Yeah, my mouse room. I wish to die in my mouse room. Right. I can, I'll, I can see it written on like a, a note magneted to the fridge. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. I'll be at the mouse room till nine. Um, There's food in the fridge. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's always, and I, the, I mostly read this 
because the sexism was jarring to me because it was extra crazy than what I yeah. even hear about usually. But also, you know, I don't read about the Holocaust that often. And it's easy to forget. It is easy to forget about the magnitude. For I sure. mean, up until, let's say, 15 years ago, New York was teeming with people who were in concentration camps. Literally, let's say twenty. Yes, I mean for a lot. Of, like you ever see a what's that diamond? You don't mind if we you don't mind if we pick a word that's different than teeming when <laughs> referring to the amount of prisoners concentration camp survivors in New York. Wait, <laughs> why teeming? Because teeming isn't a word that has the most positive connotation. Wait, really? Generally speaking, yeah. To be full. Oh, swarming. <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay, so the sample set to the dictionary is every garden is teeming with wildlife. To be full of, be filled with, be alive with, be brimming with. Maybe you just have a pejorative association with the word team, and you should get that fixed. <laughs> you know what? That's fine. Teeming is the only word. But you ever see that movie with uh, Dustin Hoffman and Lawrence Olivier where he plays the Nazi dentist in New York? Uh, the Marathon Man. Yeah, Marathon Man, and he's in the Diamond yeah. District at the end. Yeah. And these older, these older people recognize him immediately. The city was infested with all these Holocaust okay. survivors. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I just remember, I was like, it was like a punch in the stomach. It was like, oh, right. Like, you know what I mean? Yes. It felt yes. present. Yes, Because sure. it's so easy to feel disconnected from history. Mm -hmm. Wow. Is everyone impressed? I managed to get a point out with that, uh, <laughs> with that nonstop onslaught against me. <sighs> yeah, you're really persecuting yeah, yeah. me. <laughs> Final dateline. Final dateline. I know the news is long, but this one's good. Go ahead. Oh, that's it. It's <laughs> a good one. Go ahead. I lost the link. Ah! How, how good could it be? Cremation ashes and 16 urns found in lot. Take 16 urns. What do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. That's Go ahead. good. I don't know what that is. It was a bizarre discovery, even to hardened investigators accustomed to grisly sights. 16 urns containing the ashes of dead people dating back to 1958, scattered among weeds, broken bottles, car parts, and old furniture in a vacant lot. I don't know how the Holy ashes cow. of someone cremated in 1958 ends up like this, said Sergeant McFarland, who works in the patrol division on the 40th Precinct in the Bronx. It's bizarre. I can tell this is going to be one of those investigations. You don't know where it's going to turn. <laughs> Which is the scariest <laughs> sense I've ever heard from a detective. <laughs> In the Bronx. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, who can. Yeah, it's going to be one of know? those investigations. One of the <laughs> uh, 138, the Grand Concourse. The urns are the size of paint cans and are labeled with the person's name whose ashes they carry, which is actually, it's In so deliberate. Cans? Yeah, paint cans. Initial reports said that two crematoriums gave the urns to a funeral director who recently died. What? That I don't. A what? Oh. And uh, who cares? We don't know what happens. We're not going to find out probably. But isn't that weird? <laughs> That's very weird. It's, it feels like the Big Lebowski. I haven't seen it. That's all the news that's fit to print. <laughs> I haven't. It's fun. No, I hear. I hear. Mm -hmm. People love connecting that movie to things. I guess it's a... Uh, it's highly connected. I guess it's an egg. It's it's, it's, yeah, it's a real egg. <laughs> it's a real egg. <laughs> a real egg. Oh. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, uh, the time has come, the walrus said. Indeed. It's direct this episode was directed by Linda Day, just like last week. And mm -hmm. it was written by Billy Grunfest and Grunfest. Paul Reiser. Yes. Grunfest is our boy from Neighbors from Hell, and I'm just so happy for you. Two great episodes. Mm -hmm. Oh, also, I guess he's good at writing fights and awkward moments. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, the cold open, baby. Uh, we open with Paul wearing no pants. No pants. 
in his bedroom. Very intense. With the with the TV in there, because I guess it's on the yes. carts, and uh, he's watching a football game. Yeah. We don't know if it's the Jets I'm, or the Giants. I'm gonna guess the Jets. I am too. Oh, because he also he wanted to go to the Jets game with Selby. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yes. Oh, he's a Jets fan. Ugh. I don't like him. I don't like him anymore. Actually, now I'm Selby. just. I'm gonna love the Jets. <laughs> Selby a no show this week. Yeah. Don't know where he is. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. But he'll be around. To be fair, Russ, most of the characters that we're used to seeing are no shows. That's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. <laughs> so funny that you, you know should what? point right. out that one. I, I don't even know why I brought it's it up. It's almost like you knew something was up. No. Yeah. I, I didn't. Nothing is up. Well, it's so, fishy. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's got no pants. He's wearing a tuck shirt and an untied bow tie. Uh, they're clearly they're getting ready for a wedding, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, oh, Jamie, co- Jamie comes in. She's, like, more ready than Paul is. See what you did, honey? I'm not waiting for you. Sure you will. You want a bet? Come on. Look, honey, we're early. You're just going to have a half an hour of me sitting there going, look, honey, you were early. You know what? <laughs> Risk it. The audience laughs at him saying he's just gonna complain to me, yes. like they know him almost. <laughs> that's like true. they're just like, that's oh, very... you will. <laughs> You're, yeah, you'll come. Well, that's also. I feel like that's relatable. Yeah, I guess that's. Just, I guess that's true. It's like yeah, why we get here so early. Yeah, and everybody complains. Also, yeah, couples complain. Oh, I so guess that's basically true. saying you know, do you want me to complain here or do you want me to complain there? And everybody right. turns and looks at their partner and says, that's what you do. So are you saying people laugh because they found something relatable in what he said? Oh, uh, yeah, I'll go that's that That's interesting. Far. Okay, let's see if that happens again throughout the episode. <laughs> uh, throughout the series. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Jamie's got her dress on. She's got her shoes on, everything. She goes over to the dresser to, uh, she holds up two different earrings to her ears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Long ones or short ones? Long ones. You think? With all my heart. I think the short ones. Well, that's what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. I would have gone long, too. I would have gone short. Really? I think she made the right... Yeah, she made the right choice. I, this is also... Yeah. We're going to start a, a new segment on this show uh, that is uh, the brainchild of my girlfriend, Jen. Uh, because when this happened, she went, trope alert! Trope alert. Oh, because girls don't ask that, too. I've never been asked. Well, no, it's more about the... Well, look, that's they do ask which of these things. People ask that all the time. I guess a little. But the the television trope of, which do you like, the long or the short? The long. Definitely. Yeah, definitely the long. I'm going to go with the short. Oh, that trope. Yes, yes, yes. yes. That trope. I ask you and I'm not listening. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you want thing A? I'll go with thing B. Right. That comic trope. Trope alert. Okay. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, we got a trope alert. siren. Beautiful. Uh, Also, that's it pretty much. (laughs) That's it, yeah. This is one of those cold opens that just ends. Cold open ends, yeah. They're like, you know what? We got a lot of stuff stuff to get to in the episode. Yeah. But yeah. We don't need a a, button. This was an abrupt ending, for sure. Which I kind of liked. Yeah. Uh, They actually could have skipped it. They could have just made that the first scene. Yeah, they could have just, they could have shown up. They could have like been yeah, getting ready sure. and then wandered into scene one, which is in the living room. Mm-hmm. Paul's got his tux on. Now they're like almost ready to leave. And their kitchen table is covered in wedding presents from their wedding. Yes. That they never yes. touched. A re-gifting table, uh, as it were. Oh, what a great, accurate, what a very well said. You said what it was. Re- yes. Yeah. yeah. It's a real TV guide description yeah. of. Uh... Right. Well, you did in two <laughs> words. I have uh, two lines of writing. <laughs> <laughs> I've narrowed it down to either the crock pot, the blender, or a nice assortment of fondue sets. What if 
they try to return it? Well, we couldn't. What chance did I have? <laughs> the assortment of fondue sets feels like, you know what? You know what the trope alert would have been? This is an, a, a non-alert. This is an all clear. <laughs> it's a trope all clear. Instead of a blender joke, they made fondue set joke. That's true. Yeah, blender is the yeah. typical. And this is much they, funnier, I think. Yeah, blenders uses a setup. Right. In this one. Right. Paul talks about the blender. Yeah. <laughs> Paul wants to give them the nut pick. Yes. Hey, you know what? Here's a nice loser gift. How about like the nut pick? No. Why not? Because we need a nut pick. For what? What if we have company and somebody wants to pick a nut? Yeah, I wasn't thinking. That's a good point. Just you will give him a nut pick. No, never. How about the pasta maker? Well, are you kidding me? We've never made pasta once. No, I know, but we might. We might make pasta. And just, just the thought that pasta could theoretically be made in this house, it just excites me no end. It, just, it helps me feel Italian. You like to feel Italian. I really do, yes. So this to me feels related, if I may, peripherally, mm -hmm. to caraway seeds and cumin. You may not. Because... Flag on the play. This is completely unrelated. No, nuts, You're an insane person. Nuts, seeds, spices. That's all I'm saying. You need to keep saying more <laughs> because that doesn't mean anything. Nuts, seeds, spices. They're small. They're small. <laughs> Are, is it... <laughs> Your hypothesis is just a shopping list. That is not. Yeah, I. I Your hypothesis I, is just a shopping list. That gap list. was me trying to come up with a rebuttal. No. Did, have you somebody throw a beat under that? By the way, your hypothesis is just a shopping list. Oh, that's oh, that's, that's good. Yeah, I'm so talented. <laughs> anyway, uh, hey, do you know what a nut pick is? I believe it's when you um, it's like uh, uh you know, you you. Break a walnut, and then you've got to get the meat out right. of the walnut shell. Yeah. And so this is devised to remove the meat from a walnut shell, yeah. which you can also do by turning over the walnut shell. Right. Like, have you ever seen a nut pick? <laughs> I Googled um, I it. I don't think so. Yeah? Yeah. I Google image searched it. Is it? Uh, they look like dental picks from hell. <laughs> uh -oh. They're the scariest. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're going to have to pay them. They are... Terrified. They look like like plaque pickers. You know what I mean? I think so. They're disgusting. It's crazy. What? It's a horrible gift. I don't even know why they make it. It feels like one of those <laughs> leftovers from Victorian era where people were like, "Oh no, we don't eat nuts with our fingers. We use a nut pick." We... <laughs> Jamie wants to give the pasta maker away, and Paul's excited by the yes. possibility of pasta. Yes. Imagine the possibilities. That does look like a dental tool. The possibilities. That's great. That must have been on a. Some sort of commercial. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. I couldn't. That couldn't have been off the dome. When Paul McCartney, Paul McCartney dreamt the melody to "Yesterday." Did you know that he dreamt it? Wait, really? Yeah, that yes. And he woke up and he went around playing it for everybody. And he was just like, "Is this something? Is this a song? Do you know this? Is this a song?" And uh, possibilities is my yesterday. There's no way that I just came up with that on the fly. It must be a thing. Fair. Okay. So rise, guys. Rise, yeah. gals. Tell me where I got possibilities. Yeah, from. when we do the reunion episode in 40 years, people are going to be like, do possibility. <laughs> we want to hear you say the word possibility. And I'll be like, no, no. Yeah, I used I'm to sick of that. that. I got new words. I, I got egg, new words. Egg. Egg. <laughs> egg. <laughs> oh, so Paul, they do this sweet exchange, and I should have grabbed a clip for it. 
And I did it. That's okay. He, she's he's like, she's like, she knows why he likes the pasta maker. She's like, it makes you feel Italian, doesn't it? And he's like, it does. And she's like, you like to feel Italian, don't you? And he's like, I do. Yeah. That's a fun little bit. And I like to feel Jewish. I do like to feel Italian. Even though yeah. technically I am, I still don't feel like I am a lot because I'm not really like, you know what I mean? So I like sure. to, and I would say this podcast is a direct extension of that. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anybody who's listening is just like, wait, no, you're a Jewish person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is where I get to be fully in that quarter yeah. of my genetics. Yeah. <laughs> You're blowing out that 25% for all it's worth. Big time. So they start talking about the couple that's getting married today. And Paul says they're an unlikely couple. And mm -hmm. he's like, she's so, and she, he makes like a chaotic gesture. And he's yeah. like, and he's so, and he does like a calm gesture. Right. Which to me, which in my mind, I was like, oh, Paul and Jamie are both like the chaotic gesture, I feel like. That's very funny. I didn't think about what their, what their physicality would be. But yeah, they are both very yeah in their own way but they're both frenetic nuts. yeah yeah so we learned that paul's the groom's friend and jamie's the bride's friend so it's probably a right. setup right oh and then jamie goes on and she's like mad she's not a bridesmaid can't believe i'm not a bridesmaid oh honey drop it please. i talked her through weight watchers sweetie <laughs> her cousin cheryl is a bridesmaid she hasn't seen her in eight years no kidding i'm begging you drop it all right all right let's yes which i get Sure. A little, though. Also, it's such a burden that I feel like it's a relief. She so she talked her through Weight Watchers, which right. is very. She should be mad, <laughs> but also it's a it's a burden. It's such a burden. I didn't know what a burden it was to be a bridesmaid until friends of mine started being bridesmaids. Yes, there's too many gifts is, and parties. It's too much. It's a it's a totally different thing than you know. My brother got married. I was his best man, and I put a few things together here and there. And it was, by and large, pretty pretty reasonable. Mm -hmm. Pretty low stress, low commitment level. And low money. And low money. Right. Bridesmaiding is a nightmare. Yes. And a fortune that I, you know, whenever I'm in it, I'm just like, you know, I hear people talk about it and I'm just like, oh, but that sounds fun. Like the concept of it is so uplifting and yes. nice and fun. Sure. Or she's like, you get together with people. Oh, sure. Oh, you're mad at the bride. Well, the bride just wants to. Be yeah, surrounded right. by, with love, and she loves you, and what an honor. And she's like, yes, but the practical application of that honor... Yes, the act is... is... Exhausting, yes. and is bankrupting me, and and uh, it's just a lot. Yes, bankrupting. So, yeah. I mean, it's a fortune. Mm -hmm. Especially destination. I have friends who have been destination bridesmaids. It's even worse. Yeah, I believe it. Oh, man. Because already you have an extra party, the shower... Mm -hmm. The fact that you get a gift at the shower and the mm -hmm. wedding and sometimes the bachelorette, the, like the bachelorette party alone should be the gift. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. you're already buying stuff for them at the party. Like you're paying for yeah. it. But then to have to do a shower gift? Are you kidding me? You have two incomes we're, now. Buy your own <laughs> crap. <laughs> we're becoming more enlightened regarding women uh, in this very episode. More and more as we go. Yeah, you all should have talked to Russ and I before we started recording this one. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even know there was an issue. It was a, women are bad, right? He's like, yeah, women are bad. Okay, let's tape. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're like, wait a Whoa, minute. Oh, yeah. I never, th I never thought of the financial implication. Yeah. Maybe they're not so bad. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I'm dating a woman. <laughs> but that's always what politicians say. They never, nothing ever clicks in their brain. Like, remember that Trump thing? And then all of a sudden they were like, you know what? I have a wife and a daughter. 
Yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, I think I get it now. <laughs> I mean, look, the fact that it's this weird thing where it's just like, look, you you don't need to be able to say that's somebody's that's a daughter. Person. That's yeah, a, right. Yeah, that's, that's a person. <laughs> yeah, that's not what it comes. It's like, and whenever it does come down to that, clearly it doesn't matter. If you right. hear that and you say people who say, hey, don't talk about a person that way. Right. It's fine. <laughs> But nobody's just like, you know, I was filled with hate in my heart. And then I stopped and I thought, my wife is a woman. Right. And, now I d- and now I don't have that hate in my yeah, heart Yeah, I anymore. thought, oh, my wife is other. Yeah. <laughs> my wife and is now, one of the other. Yeah. And now I'm very loving to everybody all the time. Yeah, so That's take not that, the DC. End of that story. Take that, Washington. <laughs> so, Jamie. Oh, so, Jamie. After after a little bit, she tries to slip it, and like while while she's doing the thing, it's like okay, so we're giving them the pasta maker, and that's that. She yes. puts her coat on Paul. Yeah, she gives a great read there. Yeah, she tries she, to do a little. She, got, she fooled me. Really? Where I'd for, yeah, where I'd forgotten. She was just like, okay, so we'll give him the pasta maker, and I was just like, okay, they're gonna give him the pasta, and like at the same time, Paul and I both went, like, hey, wait a yeah, minute. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was on her immediately because I really, I really identify with wanting a pasta maker that I'll never use. I really do. Uh, because the possibility well, I, is exciting. The po- <laughs> it really is. <laughs> oh, man. Versus a I nut pick. Um, so she puts... My favorite thing is, yeah, she. they say, uh, you know, they gave the Buckmans. It turns out that the couple getting married are the ones who gave Paul oh, and Jamie right. the pasta maker. Oh, what a great... So they can't give it to them. Right. And then Jamie responds to that by saying, God, they're cheap. Give them the pasta maker. All right, good. No, 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 I want the pasta maker. <laughs> it's worth a shot. Hey, you know what? We can't give him the pasta maker anyway. Why not? Because they gave it to us. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Which is just like, look, yeah, they may be cheap, but the next thing that happens is you guys decide to give them a nut pick. Yeah, it's a perfect little hypocritical moment. Come on, you guys. Oh, Russ, go easy on him. Uh, <laughs> so I also think it's sweet, though, that Jamie, Jamie sort of is fixing Paul. Like, she puts his... Coat on him. Yes. And you ever see a woman do that to a man on TV? Like it was like it caught my eye. You know what I mean? Okay. Because the classic chivalry move is to help your date into her coat, right? Sure. That happens. Yes. Or but, I guess uh, older people in, in either direction. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. But also the classic, you know, uh, uh, women help men with yes. things. The next beat constantly. where she helps with his tie. Yes. Is a class is a trope. Yes. We, we go from all clear to trope alert. To trope alert. Come here, look at you. What? What? What are you staring at? I'm just admiring a beautiful girl who married me for some reason. All right, give him a nut pick. Thank you. <laughs> but it is a very sweet scene. Mm-hmm. Like, they look at each other's eyes like... Ooh, yeah, in love. Couple of couple of eye searchers there. Yeah, and but maybe, also, yeah, it's funny because Paul looks deep into her eyes and is just caught up in the moment of love. And then the positivity for him comes when she decides, okay, we can give him the nut. Pick, yeah, which is what right. He wanted to, to. So it's just like part of me is just like, was that just a ruse? But yeah. that's not the way Paul is. I don't no. think that's the way Paul is. Agreed. That's, that's the way, the way Jamie Murray is. is. That's the way Jamie yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> Paul. Paul inadvertently got what he wanted. Yes. It made me think about what it must be like to, because they're kind of newlyweds. Yeah, definitely. So this is probably the first wedding they've been to married. Could be, yeah. So that's interesting. Sure. Yeah. Because, like, I never thought about it, but once you're married people at a wedding, you're like, you become part of the group of people that's married at the wedding. Yeah. And as you progress through that process, you become the people that people look to as like, ah, you've done it, you know. 
Enlighten yes. me. And then when you become old, people are like, do you have any advice? <laughs> right. And can you make it cute and funny? <laughs> yeah. Gramps. But the, the other thing that happens when you're married people at a wedding is that, as happens in this wedding, much of what you do is just reflect back on your wedding. Indeed. Sure. You just say, we should have had this. We didn't have that. This was better than oh, what we right. had. That was better. Yes. I do that now for my hypothetical wedding in the future. Sure. I'm always like, oh, I wish I could steal that, but I want it to be original. Ugh. So we go to the next scene. No button again, which I, I kind of love this no button tear. Oh, maybe there is one. Sure. I don't remember. Anyway, so we go to some kind of country club somewhere, mm-hmm. maybe New Jersey, God forbid, or upstate. Mm. There's a few fun camera moments in this episode. But I like they do this establishing shot where they start on the on the stage right side of this reception right. and slowly like move across the entire wedding to ultimately reveal Paula Jamie on the other side signing a yes. guest book. That was fun. Which is fun. It's a great establishing yeah. shot. We see everything. Instead sure. of like just watching them come in and then like discovering the it's, I liked it. So they're Jamie's signing the guest book with this huge feather pen. Mm-hmm. And Paul is self-conscious about his tux because he's the only one there wearing one. That he yes. sees. Yes. Hey, pal, I don't see anybody else here in a tuxedo. Tell me, what about that guy? He's a waiter. <laughs> said black tie optional. Yeah, well, I think I opted wrong. Honey, you look great. Get back to work. Table 7 needs butter. That was a very funny joke. <laughs> the, I... the, the manager, the woman that calls him out. What were you going to say? No, no, just black tie optional is uh, my understanding is it's not an option. So all those other right. people are, are underdressed. Are, yes, I agree. So good job, Paul. Yes. Good job, Jamie. Shame on you. The rest of you people who are so old to be at a wedding. And also never feel bad in a in a tux is what I'm telling myself now so that I can wear it a lot. <laughs> because, you have, yeah. because, because you're currently right now as you record this. I'm podcast, wearing a tux. Yeah, you're wearing a tuxedo. <laughs> Our friend Gary's probably laughing because he he has a tuxedo, and as we know, he busts that thing out anytime he can. He wears his tuxedo to listen to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what, though? I get it now. Because <laughs> I'm planning on wearing it to upload this podcast as well. <laughs> but the manager that calls him out, the uh, cater captain or whatever, is Susan Blomare. And mm-hmm. oh, she was in the movie Doubt, but I don't. Rem- I mean, pff, who knows? I don't know. Mrs. Carson. Everyone remember that nun? I don't know. Actually, she would be Mrs. Oh boy, she was in Kinsey and Doubt. Okay. Oh, from from. Uh, I mean, there's you know, one sex and one's the church. It just seems unrelated. Okay. Anyway. Sure. Well, have you seen Doubt? Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> it's about <laughs> okay, sex okay, and the I church. Got... So. <laughs> oh boy. Right. Oh wow. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> So less polar than you might have thought. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what that was about. She was on the blacklist. I don't know if anyone watches that. I don't. She was on two seasons of that. Or no, one season. Like 24 eps. So uh, I don't know. Great. Uh, Mozart the Jungle. Oh, The Sopranos. Betty Wolf. Oh, she was in the Johnny Cakes episode. Oh, she must have been in Vermont. <gasps> yeah. I think she might be. Uh, what's his name? Maybe works for her or something in an episode or two. Can vaguely remember her, right? What's his name? You know, Tony Soprano. No, you remember Johnny Cakes, right? Yeah, the, the, Vito probably works. Vito, Vito work thank you, Vito. Yeah, yeah that that's who I was trying to. Okay, so everyone knows I didn't research her credits ahead of time. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, oh. Okay, we'll come up with our own term. But for those who are versed in Signcast, we have our first, I think, double dipper. 
Oh, what do we got? We'll have to find our own version of that. But I right. also think it's very rare on this show. But she's in an episode next year, right around this time, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, Interesting. you remember? No, no, no. I, I'm trying to, I think, trying to remember if I read something where somebody oh. said they play something another time. Yeah. Or, or I could have just made up a memory. Yeah, I do that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I lost regardless. my virginity to Cindy Crawford. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Or did I make that up? I don't remember. <laughs> All my references Cindy are old. Crawford. All my references are old. I had to come up with a leading lady to make some joke the other day, and I, Julia Roberts was the only one like I reached. And now I, I'm yeah. like, oh yes, there's Jennifer Lawrence, there's Anne Hathaway. Yeah. <laughs> you say with a question mark. Well, because yeah. she feels a little past the zeitgeist. No, for, I hear, I hear yeah. you. I can't think of any leading men or handsome, attractive actors past Brad Pitt. He's still the guy. Right. Yeah. George Clooney. <laughs> yeah. It's, Who's it's, he? It's what? the equivalent like, of our parents is... being like, oh, that's Tom Selleck. Yeah, basically. That's Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> My mother was in love with Troy Donahue. Do you oh, know him? Oh, I know a lyric. If Troy Donahue could be a movie star, then, you know, what is that? It's a musical or something. Probably. And I, I think, could I'm be not a sure movie if he gets... star. Yeah. That's all I know about him. <laughs> yeah. He was in a summer place. He was in Gidget. He was a, a, oh, a teen okay. idol from back gotcha. in the day. Gotcha, like a beach idol. Yes, yes. And yeah, so my mom will still refer back to Troy Donahue. <laughs> That's funny. That's crazy. If Troy Donahue could be a movie star. What is that? Wow. Oh, Bobby. From company? Okay, yeah, that sounds right. No chorus line. Yeah. Okay. That's there it. Then go. I could be a movie that. star. Yeah. Oh. Chorus line. Only the, one of the biggest musicals ever. Speaking chorus of musicals, line, though. Yeah. Chorus line. Yeah. Cor well, chorus line has a direct connection to this very episode. We'll get How there. So? Oh, I can't wait. Mm -hmm. Did Michael Bennett choreograph these uh, weddings, wedding dances? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but her name, did I say Don't her name? Don't you remember when Paul just starts yelling, a five, six, seven, eight, <laughs> step, two, two, three, kick, turn, again. Honestly, okay. that's the episode I want more than anything. <laughs> but did I say her name? It's Susan Blomare. And speaking of musicals, she, was, she played Miss Lynch in the Grease revival in 2007 on oh, Broadway. Cool. Yeah. Neat. I forgot we haven't been doing Broadway credits for these people, so we are this week, because otherwise the episode won't be the longest one ever. Now, God forbid. <laughs> so table seven. Oh yeah, and she's like table seven needs butter, even though there's no food. Yeah, well they need a plate of butter to warm. Yeah, it's uh, it, well, it's so weird. Like I, I never know look at shows this deeply, and now that we look, it's like there's so many funny things where you're like. How did, like, that, it doesn't make any, like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Even when you try to imagine what the drafts were before, you're like, but it still doesn't make sense. Well, here's how that makes sense. I'll tell a quick little mini personal story. I went to IHOP years ago with my brother and his girlfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. And we placed our orders, and they took them. We were all getting pancakes or stuff. She comes, she comes back egg. out. Uh, the waitress, yeah, we were all getting egg. <laughs> the waitress comes back out and puts down a, war, a thing of warm syrup. Uh -huh. Now, this is well before anybody right. got any other food. Right. And so I make a joke. I'm like, what is this for? Why would they give this to us right. now? What, right. are we, what are we supposed to do? And I pick it up and I mime like I'm going to Drink it. pour it on my hand. Oh, that's funny. Yes. And then I actually pour it on my hand. And it's burning hot. Uh, it's not burning hot, oh. but it is syrup <laughs> on my hand <laughs> that... At the beginning of my gesture was just going to be a joke. And then I committed to the bit 
and had a hand with syrup on it and licked a little bit of syrup off my hand and then said, this is disgusting and terrible and washed up. Uh, and then when I got back, my uh, pancakes were there. So it all worked out great. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that's very similar to putting butter down on a table. Um, that is that is a great mini story in that that is the weirdest story I've ever heard that's that yeah, short. I'm a big... Because <laughs> it has to do with a poorly executed gesture. Yep. And the the big moment is... I, so I had syrup in my hand. So I licked it off. And then I had saliva and syrup. Off. It's like the lady that swallowed a fly. <laughs> so then I took a napkin. And then the napkin stuck to the syrup and the saliva. So then I had a napkin, <laughs> syrup, and saliva on my hand. So I went to the bathroom and I applied some soap. <laughs> you all know how it goes. <laughs> So, oh, Paul asked Jamie if she wants to go to the receiving, get get the receiving line over with. Right. Which, that's not a thing anymore, right? Because I've never done no, that. Is. Oh, really? It's still a thing. I thought they go to the tables now, and they walk around more. Well, that happens. That's the only thing I've experienced, ever. Receiving lines still happen. I, I think they happen. You know, to have the to have the bride and groom at the receiving line, I'm not positive if that necessarily happens. It might. I oh, the parents are there. Is that what it is? But yeah, it'll be parents. It'll be the uh, 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 the bridesmaids, groomsmen. I don't know what you're. T- I've never done this. Yeah, that happens. Both sometimes. in weddings and at, just at weddings, I've never witnessed it, seen it, done it, anything. It's still a thing. Okay, well, I guess we're at an impasse. So. Well, I- <laughs> I went to a wedding years ago with a friend of mine, or, mm-hmm. or for a friend of mine, rather. She got married, and her mom, as uh, in the receiving line, her mom spoke one sentence to me. I've no, I had known this woman since I was in seventh grade. This was after we graduated from college. I saw this woman in the receiving line. I said, congratulations. She said, doesn't she look effing beautiful? So <laughs> That's great. I wish they were back then. That's the only thing she said to me. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So the couple, oh, so Jamie's hungry because we find out she hasn't eaten before. She didn't eat before the wedding. Right. Which is a plot that we both, I'm sure, recognize from Entourage. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> when Turtle and Drama don't eat before Ari's daughter Sarah's bar mitzvah. Bat mitzvah. That's funny. And they're high, so they're extra hungry. Uh-oh. Uh, so then Sounds a ca- funny. <laughs> a gator waiter walks by. So all the cater waiters at this wedding walk very briskly. Yes. Which is very funny because they're like, <laughs> it's almost cartoonish. That is, yes, that is not what they're there for. Right. So one flies by and Jamie doesn't catch him in time. So the wedding band finishes their song mm-hmm. and the saxophonist bows as Jamie comments on them. There he is. Can't believe you got them to hire your cousin Ira. Would you listen to me? Ira did not ruin our wedding. Oh no, of course not. He said your grandmother started that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we discovered that they she, they know the band leader. Yes, they do. Ira, his cousin the Ira. The band leader is cousin Ira, who played maybe, by Mr. John Mr. Pankow, John Pankow, who you all will recognize from Monkey Shines. <laughs> Monkey Shines. Which uh, there's a great out of this get made episode about that. Oh I my think. gosh. Everybody, everybody go and listen to How Did This Get Made's episode on Monkey Shines. It is it's very funny, right? I it think is I, yeah. un it is unbelievable. Yeah. June Diane Raphael has quite a mind. Yes, that's and right. It's one of her great theories, her great crackpot theories. If you think you know where the episode of How Did This Get Made is going. Right. <laughs> Just wait you for the don't. last 15 That's minutes. That's right. I forgot. Oh. 
Uh, you I'll might. Re- yeah, I'll re-listen to that episode, and like at the fifty-minute mark, I'll be like, they don't even know. I was like, these people listening. To- we, the- I'm like, Jason and Paul and June, who are in the episode right now, mm-hmm. recording it. They don't even know what's about to happen. They don't know where this conversation is going to go. Right, right. Anyway. Here's the thing. You might also recognize Mr. John Pankow. Well, for those of you modern TV watchers, <laughs> he is the exec on episodes on Showtime, which is a great oh, role really? for him. You haven't seen that, Russ? No. No, no, I haven't. He plays a basically a monster. And it's so fun. Like just a oh, like cool. a like sort of a pathetic but gross guy who's sleeping with his like the, the woman who works right under him, uh, cheating right. on his wife though. And like uh he's just like he has no integrity, no like a classic Hollywood satire type, and he's very yeah, funny. Yeah. Very funny. But um, he's also in a little movie written by Eric Bogosian called Talk Radio. Oh, he is, isn't he? Mm-hmm. I totally forgot. That's fun. I've seen bits and pieces of Talk Radio. I oh, you got to see the whole thing, my friend. Yeah, yeah. You got to see the whole thing, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Something that <laughs> should happen, my friend. <laughs> because, my, because, as Russ knows, I love older men with dark curly hair who are either Jewish or seem Jewish. <laughs> Yeah. Eric Pagosian yeah. plays Jews a lot, but is Armenian. You've got a type for sure. I do. Yeah. In terms of uh, entertainment and or people I aspire to be somehow in this field, that is the type, weirdly. <laughs> and those are the only two I could think of off the top of my head that finish. The end. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's a niche market. It is niche, which is uh, I'm feeling. <laughs> I'm really feeling. Oh, he's also in Life as a House. Who knew? Also, I saw him in a Christopher Durang play at the Public Theater. Cool. About terrorism anyway so yeah this guy it was a comedy obviously so cousin ira this is cousin ira yes cousin ira's maybe gonna be with us for a while i wouldn't mind that i like this character i like him I too he's to, family i hope we get to see him more yeah uh and also he i don't know room. where they're gonna make room for him yeah but... there's well i do because they've i haven't seen the second they upgraded mark and friend they disappeared <laughs> That's true. I mean, we haven't heard Sorry, from them since. Too. It's like they're in Vegas blowing their paychecks. Neither hide nor hair. Yeah. So they find their seats and, oh, Jamie doesn't like who's at their table. Like right. just from the name tags. She's They've been like, seated at the table for cousins and camp friends. Right. Which I'm like, how did she know that based on names? I, I can only assume that it's like, maybe rather than like table seven, table nine. Yeah. The sign oh, in the middle says be. cousins and camp friends, oh, which gosh. is a strange thing to do. Yes, it is. Oh, that's a great assumption, though. So as Jamie would do, she just does what she wants and takes yeah. their name tags and swaps them with another table, mm-hmm. which would mm-hmm. make me very nervous. Yes, this is why this isn't done this way anymore. Now you have a big table with all everybody's names on it at the front rather than having tables, having uh, names be at specific yes, seats. Yes, yeah. Oh, that's very good. Whoever did that should get credit. So as she's doing it, another cater waiter flies by, but Jamie like like runs and get like stops him like yes she blocks him basically yes, <laughs> from yes. walking, and he has something on toothpicks on a tray, and she has mm-hmm. one very politely, and then she right. gestures to Paul to bring a plate, and then she just like fills it up. Yeah, she takes basically all of the food off of this, and I couldn't tray. tell what that food was at all. I guessed cheese. I could be oh, wrong. Oh, that's a good guess. Well, no, because he would, so they loot, they're like beige things. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like something yeah. that someone made besides a cow. <laughs> so Ira comes back over and he asks about Jamie's. Oh, right. Oh, we haven't met him yet. Right. Right. We, we only we've alluded him. to him. So he, he now he comes over. He's the mm-hmm. wedding band leader. 
Uh, he asked about Jamie's mother. <laughs> Clearly, they must have gotten into some kind of fight at the wedding. Yeah. Well, he asked about Jamie's grandmother. Grandmother. That's it. Not mother. Yes. And yeah, he she he caused a big yeah stink at the wedding. Right. And yeah. And 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 yes. So he's he's on he that's got Jamie a little bit miffed at him. Yes. Oh, then she gives uh Paul. He gives Paul a nuggie. Right. And which, then, which is silly but fun, okay. very silly and unexpected. Mm-hmm. Like you don't see Paul treated that way that often, you know. Right. Like a little brother. Right. Then he says, "Oh, they missed Paul at Aunt Selma's." We missed you at Aunt Selma's. Oh yeah, you know Boy, what? Boy, was she peeved? Oh, kidding, was she? Very peeved. Which one is Selma again? Most powerful woman in Sheep's Head Bay. They say she once stopped the subway with her foot. <laughs> She stopped the subway Woo-hoo. with her foot, like Paul Bunyan, funny like a New Yorker Paul Bunyan or something. <laughs> also, Sheep's Head Bay is where Buckles, the the famous stand-up <laughs> from Seinfeld, is from. Oh yeah. Do you remember That's... in the movie episode, I... Buckles? I don't remember. He's so annoying, and he's like, "I grew up in Sheep's Head Bay. My everything stunk of fish. My father was a <laughs> remember? No, I don't remember." He's like, "Jerry, can I ask you a personal question? Can I keep my coat in your closet?" <laughs> Boy, Russ, time for a rewatch. This used to be the sign. I remember when this podcast used to be mostly Seinfeld, and now you know. You know, I I guess I don't. I guess I can't go as deep in Seinfeld as I thought I could. I guess not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, fans. I thought I knew you. So Ira wants a scoop on the bridesmaids. So, what do we know about the bridesmaids? I wasn't asked. Well, no, no, I'm saying available, not available, music lover, what? I tell you, the tall one, she gave me a look. Who, Cheryl? Thank you. He's a little player. Mm-hmm. And he tricks Jamie. I don't know if it's conscious, but he tricks Jamie into giving him Cheryl's name. Yeah, he he kind of asks. He just asks for a name, or he asks for information. Hey, what do you know about these people? He gets a name, and that's all he needs. Yeah, it's all he <laughs> Right. They catch the eye, the, the bridegroom, the parents, everyone, the receiving line, basically. So they go over to say hi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hi. Hi. Congratulations. Oh, everything was perfect. It was just a beautiful wedding. I'm sure they'll be very happy. Listen, if the two of them can live together in that apartment for a year and a half without killing each other, believe me, they're going to be fine. You Her so what? So he didn't know they were living together. Oh, get out of here. Everybody knows that. Yeah, they do now. Well, why didn't you tell me that? I didn't think you were going to open with that. Uh, well, you know what? That's what people get for keeping secrets. You're unbelievable. And Paul manages to mess it up. Oh, yeah. I agree with them. Yes. He's like, it's their, it's their fault, first off, which is true. Mm-hmm. But also mm-hmm. they're married now, so who cares? It's a whole big thing, yes, for the bride to cry because the father. Well, yeah, if the father. Well, look, I'm not going to judge. No, I get it. I mean, or what people hold dear, X, Y, and Z. But uh, everybody needs to back. Everybody needs to chill out. Well, once you're married, isn't it like whatever? Not, like you know. But I guess that it's the recognition that you were being lied to by your daughter. Yeah, that's what I think usually hurts in these situations. Look, if you can let a thing like. The fact that she lived with the person who became her husband for a year and a half ruin her wedding day, ruin your daughter's wedding day. Great point. You got to You got to You got to That's a great point. You got to change your uh, perspective a little bit. Yeah. And as, as <laughs> he does not seem like a guy who's good at that. 
No. <laughs> just based on the little we see. Yeah. So we cut to this next scene that I thought was super weird and I did, made me very uncomfortable. Where we're like, you know, wherever, like backstage at the wedding. And yeah, there's this weird, there's a smash cut. Yeah. Yeah, like a joke. It's like the punch. Because yeah. it ends with Paul going like, anyway, they're married now, so who cares? Smash who cares? cut. Smash cut sobbing, to sobbing crying, bride. yeah, crying bride. Paul like, and Jamie yeah. at her side, and you know, apologizing. To pick up the pieces, yes. right? And Paul, oh, right? Wait, did you? Did this scene feel weird to you, or is it just me? It's a little strange. I don't know where we are for that. I don't yeah. know what the purpose. And it's very is presentational. Apart. Yes, it felt. Yeah, it did. It's it is. like it it's just like this play. chair with the yeah. bride, and then the groom's on his knees trying to console her. Yeah. These two ladies are behind her, saying, "Oh, don't worry. I don't know who they I are." Like, Yes, I like the idea of like when you go to pick a venue for your wedding mm-hmm. to just have the person showing off the venue being like, this is our crying room. Yeah, right. In case <laughs> of a huge faux pas. A disaster, yeah. <laughs> we can just whisk the bride and groom away here <laughs> right. with a few members of the bridal party, perhaps the offending parties as well. But and no, you can yeah. just cry. <laughs> Talk it out. Get it all out or not. You can just escape from everybody and then go back in there. You can do that as many times as you want over the course of the evening. Um, That's just one of the many services that we provide here. (laughs) I also feel bad saying this, but she seems like she's really overacting a lot, right? Yes. Yeah. She's not a great actor. She's bad. She's doing a horrible job. I feel bad. I never say that, but it's so big. It's too much. It's crazy. It's like it's a high school play. It was a lot of fun. Yes, you were right. It was a lot of fun having Jamie kind of goad Paul into complimenting her vis-a-vis the bride. Also, just seeing the bride earlier before the the receiving line and just saying, you know, oh, so does she looks pretty in that dress, right? She looks pretty. And then Paul gets to say, oh, well, not as pretty as you. Jen didn't call that a trope alert. She didn't. This is a new segment. We're still figuring out. Right, right, right. To me, that's a big trope, a big trope. I told you about this segment yeah. five minutes ago. I'm and now you're it. saying, oh, Jen missed that one, huh? <laughs> All right. I don't know. Please I let her know. know. We got to get a new. Tell her she's on notice. <laughs> <laughs> so Paul, uh, Paul asked one of the women standing behind the bride to cl- he like it's a joke. And he goes to clarify. Now, when you say he has a heart condition like the father and yes. the bride sobs harder. Right. Which. What is the, does that mean? The dad almost died? Like, that was weird it to me, means, too. It means that this horrible news about the living in sin for oh, a going to kill her dad is going to set off her father's heart condition. That's actually very clear, and I missed it. Okay, cool. It's Paul continuing to put his foot in it. Yes. Basically. Well, that I got, but I yes, yeah. no, you explained it. It's pretty obvious. It's on me. Yeah. I wrote in my notes, thank God it's short because the scene is over. <laughs> yeah. And I did not like it. I just felt weird. So we're back at the reception later. Paul's alone at the table. Uh, presumably, right. Jamie's still with uh, the bride. And Ira comes over to tell right. Paul that Jamie told Cheryl he's ubiquitous. <laughs> Which is the funniest possible thing that you can say about a character who is making his premiere appearance on a show. Is that he's yeah. ubiquitous. <laughs> right. Right. You're for always us, around, Ira. But... Yeah. <laughs> we can't get away from you. We see you all the time. <laughs> I mean, not for the last three months, but, you know, <laughs> before yeah. that. But it's, it is the most Jamie way of saying he's a player. You know, I hadn't thought of it that way. But, yeah, I guess I guess that's that could be true. Oh, yeah. no, I think that's definitely what it means. I like that. Yeah, it's the sophisticated way of saying, like, he gets around. He gets around, sure. Okay. Oh, so then Ira brings so, up his, what? 
No, no, no. I was just going to say, I always equate that with, there was this dude who used to be in every single sketch writing class, in every improv class, at every improv show, and he was the least funny person any of us had ever met, and he also did it semi-professionally, and we were like, how does this happen? How is this possible? And... At one point, I had a show with my buddy Mike, and I asked if, I was like, did you see that he's here? And Mike just said, that mf'er is ubiquitous. <laughs> and so that is, that is what I equate with the word ubiquitous. So to hear it phrased in this other way, I'm like, okay. Right. I just got to tweak, tweak my experiences with it. Hey, well, way to filter your language. <laughs> I'm doing what I can. That was really, does everyone appreciate the, uh, clean, the cleanness of this podcast? We try. Anyway, <laughs> we want you to be able to listen with your kids so that uh, yeah. Mad About You has a long future ahead of yeah. itself. Yeah, we hope your kids uh, like clean language, yeah. uh, talking about middle-aged uh, people, middle-aged middle people, 90s. and mafia hits. And mafia hits. Yeah. Oh, Russ, what's a little violence? Relax. <laughs> uh, so Ira brings up. Uh, his band's demo. Oh, oh, did your mom tell you? I'm trying to cut a record. Ira, I can't. Why? I'm not investing. Well, you didn't even hear. I didn't get my money back from your last three demos. Well, one more, we got a box set. <laughs> Let me think about it. No. No what? We're not thinking about it. You didn't even hear. Did we miss food? I think so. How is the bride doing? She's throwing up and everybody hates us. Uh. <laughs> I love how everyone, know, like, he obviously brings this up all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder what's a demo cost like ten grand. Uh, I mean, it, it, you can't. I, I, I couldn't venture a guess. I would say ten grand. But, That's a lot of money. Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, but no, he. I'm sure he asks a lot. He's, yeah, he hustles and he. He's try, the he, hustling moocher, like streetwise yeah. player guy. He's shameless. He's so, yeah. very similar so, to Selby in a way. Yeah, but also different. A little more interesting, if you ask me. Top to bottom in this episode, there's some pretty bad. Uh, fake music playing yeah from the band like class yeah it's not a great yeah it's not a band where you would say oh i gotta i gotta get the album yeah there's certainly that but also just like as far as pretending to play instruments oh sure woof oh you it mean is, like the physical work yes oh the i was drummer is yeah the drummer is very very miming a lot of what he's doing he's not I actually mean, sure because they're like you can't make noise right but at least John Pankow does a great job by he turns his back to the camera for a lot of what he plays. Oh. So you can't see him pretending to play the saxophone. Well, he's lucky they can't all do that. Yeah, that's true. I would I wish that they did. That would be great. That would be very if funny. It was just yeah, a yeah. scene <laughs> of a wedding with four people and you just see their backs right. just right. not looking at the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> I also think the phrase uh, when he asks how the bride is throwing up and everybody hates us is the funniest <laughs> sentence. <laughs> yeah, really funny. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's an onslaught of bad things. <laughs> uh, so Ira gets Paul and Jamie to the wedding's dead a little. It's a, sort right. of a dead wedding. The bride groom yes. missing. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So Ira gets Paul and Jamie to lead some dancing, maybe liven things up a little. Right. So we do another uh, sort of smash cut. Well, no, mm-hmm. a smash cut. To the, yeah. to the reception mo- moments later, and Paul mm-hmm. and Jamie are alone on the dance floor, yeah, doing uh some kind of cat dance. They're doing they're doing the alley cat. Oh no! <laughs> you think this is working? It's hard to say. 
Mia. <laughs> That's what it's called. Yes. And you just knew that? Um, my mom, my mom taught me that. Oh, that's sweet. Years and years ago. Mine taught me um, having a gila, but I forget it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, the horror? Yeah. Yeah. A little. My mom, my mom used to teach me a whole lot of dances like this. A whole lot of, uh, wedding slash, uh, slash right. affair dances. That's sweet. Basically. Did we mention that the name of this episode is The Wedding Affair? Yeah. Way? Yeah. Uh, double entendre. But we'll get there. Oh, you're right. Yeah. The. So, uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so she taught me, like, she taught me how to Lindy. Like Lindy England? Yeah. She Yabu. taught me how to, she taught me how to point at the genitals right. of a, <laughs> Prisoners of a of tied up prisoner okay. of war. Yeah. But, you know, that's mom. Um, no, she, she taught me how to do the Lindy hop, but she taught me, like, here's the basic step. And it's good to have that. But uh, when it's then just like, okay, now go and dance with somebody. Right. I'm like, yeah. well, how long do you want to do this basic this thing? Cause, yeah. Because that's all I got. And But luckily, everybody else who I do this with is just like, well, I don't know how to do anything else either because I'm a normal person's age. And my mom didn't teach me this because your mom, Russ, is the old-fashionedest person in the world. Yes, right. Uh, yeah, You learned dances that... She learned when she was your age, when you were like, yes, yeah, basically, you were one generation behind. Y yes, as was I, which is why we're doing yeah, a podcast a about something that's one generation behind. Yeah, I'm I'm a little brother in a sea of big brothers, <laughs> if it were, which is to say, mom and dad are were a little older when they had me. Uh, versus, oh, literally, I see. Yeah, versus yeah, everybody else that I'm friends with, they're just like, no, we're younger I see. or whatever. Yeah, I'm yeah, an older yeah. brother for sure. Yeah. Because of the numbers. Uh, so uh, Jamie goes to rally. Oh, so they're, they're dancing. It's very cute. We haven't seen a dance mm -hmm. like this. We haven't seen a smash cut dance. I'm out about you since Sister Sister. That's true. Um, so Jamie goes to rally the crowd because no one's joining them. And right. she leaves Paul alone, though, on the dance floor mm -hmm. doing it, which is a nightmare. Yes. Uh, so but seconds later, Paul leaves to go find Jamie. <laughs> she didn't try mm -hmm. to rally anyone. No, she's, she's at the bar a, eating a handful olives. of olives. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Paul brings up like this whole ordeal again. How, like, how can they keep a secret from their parents about living together and stuff? And Jamie's like, mm -hmm. oh, everyone has secrets. And then, oh boy. <laughs> that's, that's all Paul needs. Yeah. And it turns out though, she points out to Paul because Paul doesn't believe her. She's like, well, you right. have secrets, right? I'm not judging, mind you. I'm just saying it's wrong. It's like you have no secrets. <laughs> no, not from you. Come on. I don't. Huh. How about a couple of years ago, when you told me you had to work on a Sunday, but you went to Atlantic City with Ira and lost $400? You know about that? Eventually. Well, then it's not a secret, is it? Oh, please. Well, well, wait a second, wait a second. Technically speaking, if you knew about that the whole time, and you didn't tell me that you knew, that would make it your secret. <laughs> Yeah, Atlantic City. Yeah, he's got a little. She's got a little something on him. He though employs the Jamie Jedi mind trick, and with logic of turns it her it, fault. Yeah, that's yeah. something she would do. That's what she did, like when she talked him into the thing last week. That's true. You know, she always does that. Oh, then I'm I sorry I brought it up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A Jamie mind that's trick. Very fair. Does that sound like Jedi? Does that get the Star Wars people clicking? Excited? It's a good term. No. Yeah, prob Jamie, probably. Jamie mind yeah, yeah, trick. Yeah, yeah. All the Star Wars people are calling each other right now. <laughs> They're off in this. 
they're in the splinter group for Mad About Mad About You for Star Wars fans. And it's like, did you guys hear Russ and John talking about Star Wars on Mad About Mad About You? Okay, point taken. <laughs> I I well then tell me what it is because I don't know what my point was except for that I like that idea. <laughs> oh, I thought your point was like no, it's not that revelatory. It barely no, sounds like slamming. Jedi. <laughs> I'm not slamming anything at all. That's I sweet. love the idea. Uh oh, so they're interrupted during this conversation. They're interrupted by an older guy and his silent wife again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is this show? This with, with this show, it's always it's always like an old guy talking with a quiet wife. Yeah. But she gets a credit in this one. Oh, does she? Yes. Friendly woman, friendly man. Yeah, she does. Yes, she does. Okay. I, Good for them. I know, right? What's weird is the bride and groom don't because they're just background. <laughs> Interesting. Isn't that weird? At least in IMDb, they're not credited. I, don't, I didn't watch the... Oh, uh, they'd get so mad. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, they don't even get the residual. Well, what residuals? No one can find this show anywhere. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do we owe them money for watching this in our home? <laughs> uh, but I love this social interaction. So. Hey there. How are you? Oh, hi, how are you? Good to see you. How you doing? You look great. You feeling well? Oh, we feel great. Oh, good, because you look great. Good to see you. Great. Good, good, good. Oh, good to see you. Good. What was that? I have no idea. <laughs> it reminds you of the Chinese restaurant in Seinfeld. Yeah. And our life. <laughs> because that is exactly how I am most of the yeah, time. Yeah, that happens a lot of the time. Yeah. Right? Yep. Are you good at faking it? Because I'm very good at faking it. Um, I can be, for sure. I have faked it so well that like when they left, I turned to a friend and be like, I have no idea who that was. And they'd be like, Are you serious? Can. I'll do that. Like I talked to them for like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's sort of exhilarating. It's the thing I'm good at. <laughs> <laughs> very good at lying right to somebody's Yeah, face. yeah. Or making them feel at ease enough that they don't question. Right. Yeah. I'll. I, the flip side of that is I'll do a lot of meeting of people now who I've already met. And every time, like at, at, after a show, it'll just be like, I'll be like, hi, thank you for coming. And they'll be like, yeah, uh, we've met five times. They're like, yeah, I was in class with this person who's on your team. Right. And I came to see them. And you did this thing on stage. Right. And then afterwards, we had this conversation. Right. And then we did this other thing, and then uh, now here we are. And you're and like, like fantastic. I'm in show business. I got time for this. Yeah. I don't know who yeah. you are. Yeah. Yeah. What do by you want? Autograph? Point, I'm, yeah. By that point, I'm already on the phone with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even, I don't, I don't hear the end. I don't hear the last three things this guy knows me from. Well, <laughs> do they really call you out that aggressively, or it's more like friendly and. No, it's friendly. Because I hate uh, when I'm, people I'm... do that. Like, oh, we've actually met before. We've met. It's yeah, like, no. oh, sorry. Oh, I guess I'll yeah. kill myself now. Yeah. <laughs> My memory's not perfect. I guess I'm a monster. Oh, man. Um, but the man, the older man, is played by Neil Vipend, and the woman is played by Annie Abbott. Great, great actress name, Annie Abbott. Good name, yeah. Uh, she is knocking around. She's been in the X-Files. Oh, her voice was in the movie. Uh, but she was also on the show. She was in Californication, an episode. Great. She's just all over doing stuff. You know, one cool. here, one there, character actress. Sure. Uh, Mr. Neal, uh, his Broadway credits are a little interesting. He did Macbeth in 81. Oh, great. He played uh, Duncan. Oh. That's a good king. one. Yeah. To, uh, oh, I don't know who this did. Oh, I don't know any of these people. I played Duncan once. Ellen Gould. It didn't go great. Oh, really? Oh, Kelsey Grammer <laughs> yeah. was Lennox. No woman. Uh, I, yeah, I could see you playing a, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I did it. I I did it. I did it with a cat. I was a teaching artist for a little while, so I would go into schools oh, and teach. Right. Yeah, I would teach kids how to act, and uh, at the same time, I was doing sketch and right. teaching artist work. Right. And a day job. Right. Oh and, wow. And also a night job. <gasps> and it was just too much stuff. Yeah. And also couple that with the fact oh. that I hate memorizing lines. Oh yeah. Uh means that I oh, didn't no. try very hard. Oh, I'm to gonna memorize kill you. Lines. You didn't know your lines? It was, oh yeah, I did not know my lines. That's well. worse than just oh, that that's bad. It was bad. Yeah, like I went on stage and during a Duncan scene, I literally I went up on my lines for oh, a second and Russ. just w- said on stage, This thou, thou, this, thus, thou, this, thus, thou. Oh my uh, gosh. And I got back to something resembling Shakespeare's uh, Macbeth. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But uh, by that time... Is this I, a script uh, I see before me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but by that point, I had spiraled into a sea of self-loathing. Oh, my gosh. Uh, that I'll get out of any day now. <laughs> I mean, that is the biggest crime, I think, in my in, in my humble opinion. You're not wrong. Ugh. Are we calling off this podcast? Are we not friends anymore? No, it's unscripted, so we're safe. <laughs> uh, he worked with John Gilgood. Oh, cool. In Much Ado About Nothing. He played a lord. Uh, he was in Strange Interlude in 85. Like, he, he has a nice little Broadway career. Yeah, good job. Who dude. knew? Going back all the way to the 50s. And then something called Tambourine the Great, which sounds like Egyptian uh, cultural reappropriation. <laughs> Wait, what's it called? Cultural reappropriation. No, oh, is no, it cultural no. the, the appropriation? Play, the, the, uh, oh, the play is called. I don't know. I forgot. Tambourine song. Tamberlane? Who cares? Tamber- <laughs> uh, no, Tamberlane. Oh, Tamberlane the Great. Yeah, that's, uh, I think, Christopher oh, Marlowe. Oh, really? Oh. I think so. Oh, so this band is like super classical actor, man. Yeah, it's either it's it's somebody else. Well, uh, here's another. Is fun Chris little... Marlowe in IBDB? Let's see. <laughs> yeah, it is. Very good. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Book adapted by Tyrone Guthrie. Oh, this is a musical adaptation of that oh, play. Interesting. That's where I got the Egyptian stuff because when I look at the credits, it's like blah blah blah. I read Tamburlaine the I read Tamburlaine the Great in college uh-huh. when I took a a course that was uh the the it was English drama and it said uh plays by where you will study sh- plays uh, by Shakespeare's contemporaries. Uh Shakespeare's contemporaries. And I took that to mean we will be studying the contemporary plays of Shakespeare. Uh, oh, boy. And I was just like, yeah, you know, you the plays an English that class. making now. <laughs> oh, brother. So uh, I'm I'm just an idiot. Yeah. Is the, yeah. Again, you were in the wrong my class. Thesis statement. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, William Shatner was in this too with him. Oh, well. Yeah. He's got a, he's got a fun little career. Uh, anywho, uh, let's move on to... Uh... <laughs> Back to the show. Oh, boy. Are you sure? I've had a long life. Oh, I could gosh. talk about more of it. <laughs> this, is, this is as long as the ones we do when we're uh, deliriously tired. Yeah. Uh, so Paul picks back up with the secret conversation right after the couple leaves mm-hmm. and pulls out of Jamie the fact that she's been keeping little secrets, you yes. know, like just little things. And mm-hmm. Paul asks why she keeps things from him. And she says, because they're mine, which yep. is fair. And, it's but, fair. but also it's this moment just a, a very uh the, the, it's a dodgy it's a dodgy dodge yeah it is but also very realistic like the next 10 minutes of this episode are very realistic to me i think to myself i'm just like just let it go paul just no good you she's really do you every 
She, it's like she's giving you every sign to just drop it. Yeah, but you know but you also, can't. That's why you. I know right, you can't. Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> I mean, we've all been in this situation, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, not this exact situation, but yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not this exact, exact. See, now yeah. I'm doing it. <laughs> now you're wondering. Or not. Uh, so Paul wants an example now of like what, like what's an example secret you're talking about? Because his imagination, mm-hmm. like anyone's would be, is running wild. Mm-hmm. And it's, the main thing is like, are you having an affair? <laughs> Right? Yeah. That's the that's the first yeah. place your yep. brain goes. <laughs> why wouldn't you tell me things? Not things, just some things. You know, I I understand, but why? Because they're mine. Okay. Fair enough. Could you just give me one example? <laughs> no, no, just, no. just to clarify. Stop it. But why? It's nothing. It, so so you're saying there isn't it. So I'm asking, is it a big it or a little it? <laughs> just 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 tell me what it is. Excuse just me. What, miss? This waiter is really bothering What Paul a, won't stop. He's being persistent he won't as hell. Stop. What a waiter callback. Gosh, that's so it's funny. It's so great. It slays. And that is one of my favorite buttons in the show, in the series, I think, so far. Absolutely. Because you don't even, it doesn't feel like a button. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the funniest moments in the episode. Yeah. That's a, it's a great, it's a great joke. A great bit. So uh, scene six, uh, we're at the reception later. And now mm-hmm. the whole wedding, the whole room's empty. And the entire wedding party comes through doing a bunny hop. Is yep. that what it's called? That's called a bunny hop. Yep. I, I didn't know if it was the little Lindy hop. No, no. That's a different thing. I'll show you how to Lindy when you get Oh, I would love that, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If it's only one move, save it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the whole wedding. You'll doing... be able to impress people very briefly and then bore them. <laughs> oh, he's a good. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so. Yep, that's what it is. Yeah, they won't even get to that's, the word dancer. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the experience of knowing me in a nutshell. Oh, oh he's a good... No. Oh, never mind. <laughs> no. Not if people come up to you after your shows. That's true. true. And then I just don't know who they are. Right, yeah, you're bad at that. But yeah. <laughs> then they get to say... He's got a good... Yeah, we've met. met. No, he doesn't. <laughs> uh, so there's a very serious... So the, the bunny hop line is this very serious seeming woman in the front, which is... Very passively funny to me. Uh, yep. Followed by Paul and Jamie, and then a bunch of other guests. Uh, mm-hmm. They're all so now they're all hopping together. And yes. during the hop, Paul is still harping on the secret thing, and they're having like the discussion continues. Yes. You tell me you have secrets. What do you think? I'm not going to be curious. I don't ask you to tell me everything, do I? No. What are you having an affair? No. So then what? You bought a hat? Yeah, that's it, honey. I bought a hat. What am I, Lucy? <laughs> all right, all right. So, so I now... really like the idea of having an argument during, during a bunny, a bunny hop. hop. Absolutely. Really fun. And now we've set up the, the... So, like, the range can be from an affair to lying about a hat. Yes. I also love the Lucy joke and appreciate it because... I you don't know Lucy. If, but also, like, she was always... It was always hats. She's always buying That's a new true. hat, wearing a new hat. Like it's a lot of hat stuff. Hat boxes were everywhere in the show. Sure. Hats are very Lucy. Also, you don't get a good Lucy reference on TV these days. Uh, that's probably true, yeah. Because no one um, this is a nice... knows what it is. They remember. No, a lot of people don't. Like if I say Fred Mertz, people are like, who? Yeah, I guess that's true. Because I'm obsessed with William Frawley. Anyway, <laughs> um, he was a monster. Uh, well, I'll have to look him up. But. <sighs> Wait, you... I'm serious. I I don't know his story. Oh, I thought you like were like who's William Frawley, and I was like, see, it's my point. 
Um, so he has Jamie. It comes out that, it, you know, his mom came over at one point and got sick. And he was like, did you poison my mother? Is that the secret? <laughs> right. Which is like, okay, so now we have, we know an affair is the worst. <laughs> right. Poisoning his mother's just under that. and then Slightly less. A hat. Yeah. Somewhere in there. So he starts doing 20 <laughs> questions with her during the right. hop. Is it an animal, a vegetable, a mineral? Which, why do those go together in my head? Do you know? What? Animal, vegetable, mineral. Well, because that those are the top three. That's those are the categories of twenty questions. Basically, it's 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 that's a common first question to ask in twenty questions. Animal, vegetable, or mineral? Yeah, not person, place, or thing. It, no, those are the three things that it can be. It's an animal. It, you know, is it alive? Is it a a, a, a plant thing, or is it a yeah, so? Uh, excuse me, Russ. <laughs> Wait, yeah, are you plants serious? Aren't alive. Yeah. No, no, but mineral, like people... animal, animal, vegetable, or mineral. So, if it a... was a person, people would say yes to the animal. Yes. This is how people play this game in the most abstract yes. sense of what these words mean. Well, what if it would you say person, place, or thing? Yeah. So animal. So that's just the so thing. a place would be a mineral because it's not living. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is there's no there is not a chance in hell. This is how people play twenty questions. I can't even tell if you're messing with me. I I'm not, but I think we should start. A separate podcast where we play, where you and I play twenty questions. Well, I have a hundred questions and- about twenty <laughs> questions because it doesn't. It's insane. That's not nobody does that. Maybe that's how biologists play twenty questions. Oh well, the game the game was started by biologists. I bought a new Ford Mineral. <laughs> what? What? It's inorganic. Everyone knows I meant car because you knew Ford and you knew Mineral. I think you're just using again. Words have no meaning. <laughs> could, could be. It could be. Is it an egg? An egg or an yeah. egg? <laughs> no, look, look. I'm telling you that this is my experience no, with this that's, game. But I'll, uh, no, I believe but I'll you. I'll also surprised. say that I'll also say that clearly, uh, my word means very little in this uh, respect. <laughs> it's just that's. I guess that's why they ring a bell. Because when I heard, it, I was like, "That is a thing." But what a weird way to yeah. play. Look. I can't believe I'm getting sandbagged in this situation. You're not. Since the only reason it came up is because I was supporting you and giving no. a justification to. You're like, hey, why does this ring a bell? And I'm like, I have this very clear <laughs> and I was like, explanation. No. And you're like, Russ, you're the worst. <laughs> no, I believe you. I'm. I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm shocked by society, not not you specifically. Okay. Uh, so it's finally dinner time. Yep. Jamie can finally eat. Oh, and as they're going to sit down after the bunny hop, Paul and Jamie pass the older couple again, and Paul initiates a, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Yeah. And they're like, call us sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes it seem like they're a fun fun older couple. They want to go sure. out. Uh, also, if I may, his wife, who doesn't speak, is doing a great job of not overacting, but acting a lot. Yes. Because she's being very friendly, but it's believable. Absolutely. She is subtle. So, yeah. I, I buy everything uh, not out of her mouth. Yes. Absolutely. So, you know, the bride could take a page out of it. So everyone sits down to dinner at Paul and Jamie's table, and Jamie says hi to everyone, and nobody responds, I think, nope. because they can't, either they don't want to pay them. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. But yeah, I think yeah. you can talk in a group. Well, you say at the very least background, you say hi, and then speak. you say, "Oh, like that?" You mean, um, like I was like, "How come no one respond?" Like I was like, "Is it because of money?" Like they couldn't. It was a different contract. It's like so weird to be like, "Hi, everyone." Silence. Anyway, right? Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? But you, you know what though? This story is not about the guests. It is not. This is not it's about Paul and story. Jamie. It's about Paul and Jamie yeah. so much that the way they arrange the people at their table, 
leaves a perfect gap between two of the people. I literally, I literally thought during the rest of this scene that there was nobody else at the table. I asked Jen. I was just like, where's everybody else at the table? That's right. Yeah, they're spread out. And then they get up she very was, quickly. Yeah, she was like, they're, in the, they're at the bar. They're at the restroom. Right. They're dancing. She right. had ex- explanations. And I'm like, it's dinner time. Exactly. You're right. <laughs> uh, so Paul won't drop the secret thing, obviously, still. He want, mm-hmm. it's, we all know this isn't going to end until everything comes out. Right. Because that's, well, that's what happens in life. Uh, so while they're just continuing this argument, a photographer comes over and silently orchestrates a group shot of everyone at the table right. around Paul and Jamie. Mm-hmm. Uh and Paul, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I thought for sure that we were going to get Jamie revealing the secret just as the photo was taken. Oh, that would have been a trope alert. Yeah, yeah, I thought we were going to have have to set the trope alert. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> things were going off all day. Yeah, but no, it didn't happen. Um, so Paul really needs to know now. He just needs to know the scale, he thinks. Right. He's like, I just need to know, is this a big secret or a small secret? Right. Right. He, I mean, look, at the end of the day, he needs to know exactly what happened. Right. And doesn't um, she? Yeah, right. Exactly. They, they both know so, that. Yeah, any, any, any other questioning, any line of questioning, he's not going to, you know, if she were to say, it's a big secret, he's not going to say, thank you. Okay. Now I know that you're keeping a big secret. Right. Yeah. Thank uh, you for telling me. Yeah. Let's go back to dinner. Now let's have dinner. Uh, so. Um. So the waiter comes over with dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, the waiter who's played by William Newman mm-hmm. from you know him. I recognize his face. I couldn't remember where I knew him from until uh, a couple of minutes ago. Uh-huh. And then suddenly it clicked in me and it I know him from Spinal Tap. Oh, no kidding. One of your favorite movies. Mm hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 band manager. Mm hmm. Ian uh, refers to him as uh, he he's running a hotel, I believe, and they don't have a place for them. And he says, uh, this little fruit told me X, Y and Z. And the guy says, I'm just as God made me, sir. Uh, <laughs> no kidding. Um, which is not the way we talk about anybody anymore. No, but it's OK. It's an old movie. And uh, it's a funny joke. Changed. Yeah, it's a funny joke. Sure. Uh, he's also Mrs. Doubtfire, Mr. Sprinkles. I don't remember, but okay. I thought that's what you were going to say. No. Uh, and then again, you know, character actor, you know, he was in a show called women of the house, but let's not even get into it. Cause we're like seven hours into this episode. Right. Uh, so he is very funny though. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very funny. Gets his arm, gets his arm right in Paul's face. Yeah. Hmm? Fish, chicken or beef. Uh, I'm not hungry. Well, eat something. I'll have the beef. Don't have the beef. I'll have the fish. We're out of fish. <laughs> I'm not hungry. Yeah, that's suit yourself. I'll have the beef. Good choice. So you don't want to eat something? No, I'll just I'll eat this guy's arm here. <laughs> Can you just tell me when this thing happened? I mean, like, was this was this like since we've been married? No. Okay. So when? Before that. All right. So what are you talking about? Like, like when we just started going out? After that. Just like after after we're engaged? Before that. All right, so this is like before we got serious. A little bit after. This, is this like after we moved in together? Teeny bit before. How teeny? That teeny. It was two weeks before we moved in together. Okay. What was? I had a date. So, well, first off, this 
Well, yeah, that arm line feels improvised, right? It kind of does. Yeah. 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 It feels a lot like an off the cuff joke Paul's making. Right. Uh, but this argument is just the most real argument. It's getting very real. Real. Very right? Like heated. it's hitting every single beat of mm-hmm. that thing mm-hmm. in life. How big or small, how long ago or recent, like all the things that we think affect how we'll feel about it. It's the sort of, um, this feels almost like the kind of, it feels almost like the sitcom trope of the thing. I've got to show you the thing in the other room. What thing? The thing. I don't know about a thing. Yeah, the thing that they had the other, a couple of weeks ago, except this is like a sadder, more real version of it somehow. Do you know at all what I'm trying to say? Uh, I do a little, and I I think I half agree with you. Where yeah, this one feels more realistic of, to me, less tropey. But I see no, what you're it, saying. I I agree. Like I don't necessarily they hem and haw about yes. the specifics, which they do for comic purposes. They're actually they're lending voice to real, thought. I think yeah, these are all the thoughts were, we think. Maybe yeah, maybe that may be it. I feel like if this were a real fight, he would say, "When did this happen?" And she would say, "Not too long ago," or something like that. And he would say. Tell me when this happened. And then she would say she would give the answer. I mean, the back and forth about before this, after that, before this. No, but those are all the important milestones. That's why it's so realistic to me. Right. It's like, was it before or after Mary? That's a big difference. Okay, was it before or after we lived together? Big difference. Was it before? Like, you know what I mean? Was it when you were 10 or like last week? Like all of all of those milestones that he's asking to me are very like where your brain goes. You've convinced me. I think this is very, like, my brain was reacting to every single thing very, like, yep, yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, so when she tells him it was a date, yeah, that, well, that's of what he didn't want to hear, I'm sure, and that opens a whole new can of worms, where, again, right. they hit all the beats, everything your brain fills with, they do. Uh, and Paul does the, like, oh, okay, I can handle that. I can handle that. See, I'm handling it very nicely. That's fine. I can handle that. I mean, you had a date. So, I mean, as long as you, you know, I can handle that unless, you know, unless. Yes, yes, what you're thinking, I did. Yes, what you're thinking, yes. Uh, Ask the band, honey. I don't know that song. What you're thinking, I did. Yes. What you're thinking, I did. Yes, that's, uh, I think, Marvin Hamlish. Excuse me a second. Which, you know, he spirals out of control. Mm-mm. Cannot <laughs> handle. The What You Think I Did Yes is a very funny song title. Yes, that's funny. But, that's a funny. And and what does he say? Uh, what You're Thinking I Did Yes. I don't know that song. Ask the band. Yeah. I think Yeah. I think it's a Marvin Hamlish song. Right, right. Course Marvin line. Hamlish, Course line. Wrote a chorus line. Oh, What You Think I Did. <laughs> 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 what you think I did? <laughs> Great. Oh. oh, that payoff was better than anything I could have hoped for. Did not see that coming. Did not sung what I did not. for love ever, but I love that song. Uh, anyway, uh, so the uh, the way it comes out, like, basically, this whole discussion, he has his worst fear, right? 
So the Jamie cheated. Jamie cheated on Paul. But the fact that she didn't need to say it, like the moment where she just gives him this look of because mm-hmm. he's like, so did I mean, did you did did you you know? And she just looks at him like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, yeah, it's exactly what you think. Yeah. What you're worrying is exactly what I did. Yeah. And, and I don't need to m- say it. And then she gets mad at him. Yeah. She, she storms off. Which is some messed up nonsense garbage. Uh. I mean, I guess so. It's certainly not rational necessarily, but I understand it emotionally for sure. You don't get to cheat on somebody and then get mad at them for making you say, I cheated on you. Wow. You know what's weird? What's that? My brain didn't call it cheating till just till you said it. Yeah. Jamie cheated no, on Paul. You're right. In my brain, because of the way she phrases it, I was like, oh, yeah. Like before you. <laughs> before well, that's you, the thing. But it's like you've already yeah. been dating for a long time. You're right. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's why words matter. I'm. Fl- this is this is contrary to my thesis <laughs> about myself. <laughs> the expert on the meaning of words. <laughs> yeah, words matter because Jamie, you you said that you were so pleased about. <sighs> you know, Jamie doesn't even need to say it. She gives him a look. Right. The reality is, Jamie doesn't want to. Yes, say sure. It. You're right. Because right. what Jamie ne- and Jamie never says it. Jamie doesn't say, I cheated on you. I slept with somebody else right. while we were dating. You're right. If she does, yeah. that's it. Wow, Russ, you're so... Oh, wow. But that's what happened. No, you're right. Wow. And it this hit me, but it's hitting me again, okay? Yeah. yeah harder. Uh, we, we watched... Jen and I watched this episode twice. Mm-hmm. The entire last third of the episode, the first time we watched it, Jen was just like, I don't like this. Yeah, like it's a, it's a tough watch. It's great, and and then it was an even tougher rewatch. And things that we were enjoying the first time around uh-huh. have been colored by the oh, end of this sure, episode. Sure, yeah, like the beginning. Yeah, it's like stop being. What, what are you so happy about, Jamie? Exactly. <laughs> you cheated exactly. on you your husband. You don't get to be happy. Yeah, oh, yeah. oh, look at you. Yeah, which earrings? You... Why do we care about earrings right now? <laughs> <laughs> you're just you're just gonna pick about you're gonna tie his tie when you have this yeah, right. deep dark secret right oh so uh she storms off so paul goes to find her in the next scene we're at the coat check she's waiting for her coat uh right. and she's mad at him for making her tell him yeah uh, and what i like is though she's like she's not getting the co- like i feel like if this is anything else it'd be like i'm getting my coat and i'm leaving right even though that doesn't make because where are they even she's like i just right. need some air right <laughs> I need to walk around the outside yeah, of this. Which feels realistic, like more real. Sure. Sure. Um, so she goes inside. So no one's there. At, right. No one's working the coat room. A lot of hats in the coat room, by the way. A lot of hats. Yes. It's like, a, what a is this? I'm Lucy? <laughs> yeah. A surprising amount of, of hats for uh, uh, a 1993 wedding. Well, but think of the people that were there who are older. They are older people. From a hat generation. That is Russ, true. Russ, you know, never forget yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, a lot of people wore hats back then. That's true. It's weird you know to say the words never forget. President Kennedy. <laughs> who? President Kennedy. He didn't wear a hat. He didn't wear a hat. And the, the na- it, this used to be a nation of hats, John. Right, And then yeah. President Kennedy yeah. stopped wearing hats. Yeah. And nobody wore our hats. Our eyes looked anymore. to him and took our hats off. Uh, so she goes inside to look for her coat in, into the mm-hmm. coat room. Paul follows. And this is the first real true fight that we've seen between them, I'd say. Yes. You know, like they're ye- they're kind of yes. they're yelling. Yes. Um, they're really raising their voices. And as they're mid fights, and it's very serious, mm-hmm. uh, they bump into something. And Ira and Cheryl stand up into frame. 
because they've been necking, which is, is amazing. It's a great reveal. It's a great yeah, bit. This, it's played uh, beautifully. It's what I love about this show, though. This show, more than anything else, more than any other show, at least, because it's very hard to uh, balance truly genuine serious with goofy, like slapsticky, like farce. And it yes, doesn't. The balance is the balance is just right. Yeah, like you laugh the, at the joke that, and you still feel bad. Yeah, and that could be. I mean, that could be a whole other thing. Just like them talking, them going off at Ira about what are you doing? Absolutely. All this other, like right there. Um, no, right, exactly. But they don't do that. Exactly. Uh, it's just this funny little moment. Also, because mm-hmm. I always love a good bit where someone falls out of frame unexpectedly. Yeah. Really see people rising pop into, into frame. Yes, rising yes. into frame. Really funny. That's an old frame rise. <laughs> uh, let's see. So, oh, so Paul. Okay, so now we're at the next step, right? Yep. So you had an affair. Who? Paul wants to know who. You tell Fran everything. I know it. Not this. Why not? Because I was embarrassed. It's the stupidest thing I ever did. Well, well, who was it? It was nobody. It was nothing. Well, it sounds like something. It was one afternoon. What do you mean afternoon? Like, like, like on a weekday? What difference does that make? Because I'm trying to paint the picture here. I can't even... Uh, who just, just... Who was it? You don't Tell... know him. Yeah, but we've shared so much. It's Stan Franklin's... Uh, I mean, oh, there's so... Yeah, this is... I mean, this is also what I love. See, you, you, part of the reason this feels so... Not good, but, like, exhilarating is because they build up to this. Like, if they just cut to yes. this immediately, it would be... But this... The fact that it was in the afternoon, mm-hmm. to me, like, I was like, ugh. Because that just makes it feel extra dirty. It's all it's all weird and gross. But, and... Russ, I mean, no. I'm not no. crazy at thinking the line, we've shared so much. Am I crazy? Or is that? What? Okay, did I miss it? I took that line to be the filthiest, most brutal thing you could say in that moment. Especially think... for a sitcom. So you th- wait, do you think that when he says we've shared so much, they're talking, he's speaking directly about uh, Stan Franklin and he both sharing Jamie? Yes. I did not interpret it that way. I, I, ooh, The audience ooh. gasped too. I thought of it more as a joke about, oh, we've done so much talking. Let's talk a little bit more. Like the literal use of the word share so much. Like, oh, we've been, you know, oh, you, you want to stop now? Well, we shared so much. Interesting. I didn't I didn't think of it as a wife swap. Uh, I feel like that would have gotten a bigger laugh because the audience reaction was like, oh, that's true. Yeah, I, I don't I'm, know. I am not sure. You know that what's interesting? It could truly go either way, I think. But my way is very intense. My oh, yeah, way is like ways. the play closer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. but it really is. And if that's what it is, like that is I can't believe that was <laughs> in any sit that is the most brutal line ever spoken in a sitcom in history. And in most dramas. That's like- <laughs> actually true, right. Uh that gave me chills both times I watched it in a very bad Ooh. way. It's also acted. Oh gosh, they're 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 great, aren't they? Great. They're good. Not to be Chris Farley, but boy, no. Uh, So at that moment, (laughs) it's interrupted by a woman ringing the coat bell. Mm -hmm. And now they're working another job. Uh, Yep. Oh yes, you're right. It's the subway booth. It's the subway booth again. Except it's even it's going real bad. Yep. Uh, And it's played by a woman named Laura Waterbury. Guess what she was in? I don't know. I don't remember her though. Honey, I, she plays a cop in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. 
You remember all the cops in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, though. I know. It's weird. I don't remember her. She slipped through the cracks. Yeah. Man. I'm going to have to go go back and do a rewatch. <laughs> Isn't it? Uh, that's a fun credit. Okay, that's all. We'll move on, though, because honestly, Great. it's worth uh, 15 hours in now. Um, so, okay. So, yeah. So, she had, she wants to get her stuff. Uh, three shopping bags from Loman's and a hat. Yeah. Yep. Three shopping bags at a wedding? <laughs> what are you doing, lady? Yeah, wait. <laughs> it must have been quite a sale at Loman's. Pull it together. Uh, so it, Also, though, it makes it like if she drove from far away and there's a good Loman's near this wedding venue, I do get. <laughs> but also Leave she drove. Exactly. No, you're right. Mm -hmm. uh, so Paul and Jamie go to work and continue to argue. Just except there's no microphone this time, like in the subway right. booth. Uh, right. oh, and this is where Stan Franklin comes out. Just, just tell me who it was. You don't know him. It was somebody at the office. Okay, who at the office? It was nobody. You don't know him. We had this stupid little crush. He was just about to be transferred to England. Stan, then... Stan Franklin? I know Stan Franklin. I can't, I hate Stan Frank. I can't believe you would do it with Stan Franklin. Maybe it would help if you'd say Stan Franklin a few more times. Stan Franklin. There was no hat. Sorry. There, there has to be no, a hat. Well, she's saying there is no hat. Well, I came with a hat. Why are you leaving without one? <laughs> Stan Franklin, Stan, Fr I, I went to his going away party. I'm sorry. I brought the man fruit. I'm sorry. Man, I just, I gotta kill him. Stop it. No, I'm gonna have him Stop killed. It. I'm, I'm gonna go, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna fly to England and I'm just, I'm gonna kill him. Stop it. What time would it be there now? It was a stupid mistake. I knew that the minute it happened. All right. it did was make me appreciate oh. you more. Well, gee, I, that's really nice to hear. You know, I'm gonna send Stan a little gift. Maybe a card, one of those, hey, thanks for nailing my wife things. I wasn't your wife yet. Well, whatever. Okay, fine. What do you want to do? Do you want to yell at me? You want to kill me? You want to divorce me? Well, keep what? Keep going. Keep going. You don't, you don't, you don't you think I could do that? You don't think opportunities come up all you the see, time? You I don't want to hear this. There's nothing for you to hear because I didn't do anything. Do you see the distinction here? See, my things didn't happen. Yours did. So if there's nothing to say, then you don't have to say. But if you did something, then you say. That's our rule, okay? If you do, you say. If you don't do, you don't I say. I have to go get my purse. Just try saying that. If you do, you say. You do, you say. Just try it. You do, you say. Right. Yeah, so that, I mean, I don't even know. Also, okay, there's a lot of things here. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, A, he brought fruit to a going away party. Isn't that what he says? I brought fruit? I, I brought fruit, yes. I went to his going away party. I brought fruit. I brought fruit. That happens. A, a, a pot oh, like going away party. Is like, Maybe. Okay. Or, or dessert. I see that. Des a fruit oh, salad. What are we in? Napoli? Well, <laughs> yeah, we're love Napoli. is free. Love is free in this episode. <laughs> uh, oh, what time is it there? <laughs> is a, a great yeah, Paul Rossi because it doesn't make sense, but it feels like it does. And then That's a funny joke. Yeah. Well, no, if he's in England and he wants to go and, and beat the crap out of him. To say, hey, what time is it there? I guess, but like you, it, it, in my brain, I was like, yeah, but Paul, what? Yeah, it depends on the flight schedules. <laughs> oh my airport. god! Yeah, that's neuroses. It's like, yours. <laughs> I was like, who cares what time it is there? Look at the schedule first to figure out. <laughs> you got to get your ducks in a row. You got to get in touch with your. This is 1993, baby. You got to call your travel agent. You got to. <laughs> The bottom line to me is, and this comes into play, and I think anyone watching, listening to this podcast who likes the show or knows the show knows this happens, but uh, Jamie, Jamie's a little bit of a risk at work. <laughs> this becomes, this is, is not, uh, this is not the last time this is this an happens. issue. Yeah. But her, um, I, and I didn't know that. I don't think I'd ever seen this episode before. 
I remembered this episode. Uh, yeah. I remembered Paul's about to start saying, uh, if you do, you say. You do, you say. Which to me sounded like a dictator, like Idi Amin. <laughs> I did. Like, you do, you, you say know, was arrested today by... <laughs> There's a well, coup. Look, I was going to say that I specifically remember him saying that uh -huh. from this episode, but maybe I'm just confusing Paul Buckman and Idi Amin again. <laughs> and You do that, yeah. I do that all the time. Uh, but that um, this whole fight is a nightmare. It's terrible. It's so When he says he could do it, but he watch. didn't. Yeah, and his voice is breaking. Yeah, they go there in front of a live audience, too, which is kind of cool. It's really rough. Oh, and and she she gets indignant. She gets mad about yeah. this again, which oh, I would have loved for her to have said, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think she does a single time. You know what's crazy, Russ? You're, I think you're right. Also, I wow. Wow, that didn't even occur to me. This all goes a lot better if she says that for a moment. But all she says is, I can't believe you made me tell you that. And it's just like, come on on lady i think there might be a cultural thing of like this isn't necessarily cheating back then right no it's cheating it Paul's responding be, right? like it's cheating yeah you're right but um, it feels balanced in a way even though it's not the way you're painting it and i think you're right is it crazy that it feels balanced to me a little not balanced but like it feels balanced because it's written well and acted well i guess that's it yeah <laughs> <laughs> because yeah because she is upset but yeah. yeah because her her because she's having her own emotional experience to what she's going through which is like, being I don't sad and here. mad and so that that yeah that stacks up yeah in the moment in the moment yes uh, when you break it down you're right she should be apologizing for cheating on her yeah right oh yes. boy but when you're watching a comedy and it's a tough moment then it's just like oh okay yeah i Paul, Paul, will you relax? Right. You can talk about your the the affair that you just found out that your wife had. Right, right, right. Later yeah. on at the con yeah. in the couch. Drop You're it. You're gonna make her say it now. <laughs> yeah. Come on, we're all trying to laugh. We were just doing the bunny hop. Do you think this just occurred to me? Because multicam sitcoms always have a warm up and a guy in the audience who just keeps the energy going. Right. <laughs> what oh, was man. this guy doing? <laughs> I don't know. The second half of this tape night. I. That's a great point. <laughs> I would love to talk to that guy, and I worry yeah. that we never will be able yeah, he's to. Just, you, <laughs> he's just you. What if he's doing what we're doing, basically? If Paul, if Paul Reiser, just right. like you know, you do, you say. Yeah. That's the thing. You do, yeah. you say. He's mad I at didn't Jamie. Do so I didn't say. You do, you say. Okay, that's a cut. And then this guy comes up. He's like, you do, you say. What is he? Yeah. Somebody who used to work with Idi Amin? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> what if he it? Oh, wow. That's What if we could do warm-up for... for Together? For Attack. Mad About yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, just the, in a way, this is all... Oh, gosh. I don't think you razz the show, though, that much. But, you know... <laughs> Um, so, uh, they go, ba basically they walk, they find their stuff. They walk. It's a continuous cut to the next scene where they they walk back into the reception. Right. Jamie, wait, I wrote Jamie apologizes. I don't have the clip, but I wrote it. Are you sure? I think um, she apologizes, Russ. She might hear. Yeah. I think she, she finally does. I know she says it was a long time ago. I'm pretty sure she, she walks, she at least walks it back and her mood changes. She stops being mad at him for making her right. talk about it. It feels regret. Well, but also, to, yeah. You're yeah. right, though. She keeps saying it was stupid. She doesn't say, like, I betrayed. Wow. Oh, it's uh, this show. So yeah. now 
there's oh so the older couple comes over as they're walking back and very upset and they're like oh are you driving back to the city he's like yeah no back seat no back no back seat um so now paul wants so okay so we've done everything right we've done the Mm -hmm. what what is it is it big is it small oh it's a date did you sleep with him blah blah blah. oh is it someone i know blah 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 and now it's like why? why that's the one i need to know now uh, and she says the reason is the toaster. Reminisce. You really want to know? The toaster. I was going to say. <laughs> I was packing up my old apartment. This was right before we moved in together. And I saw the toaster. And I thought, I'm about to own a toaster with somebody. I realized that I would never again be able to make toast exactly the way I like it. Which I realize now, of course, is ridiculous. I could wait till you made your toast and change the setting, or I could make my toast first, but it wasn't so clear then. Are you just making this up as you go along? (laughs) It's like a door was closing on a whole part of my life. I panicked. Okay. But why, why didn't you just tell me two years ago? If I did, would we be sitting here now? Yes. I'm not so sure. It's like this little well, audition monologue. It's like a beautiful little monologue. That's a good way of putting it. I will like be doing the toaster uh, from. Uh, oh, this is good. Or okay. this is from a wedding affair by <laughs> Billy Grunfest <laughs> and Paul Reiser. <laughs> but the lines, it, like, I'm not well, like when it gets to the end of that sequence, and I would have writes, liked for them to have gotten. I would have liked for them to have. Um, I like the end a lot. Yeah, I like the. I like the. The now we'll never know of. Yes, and now we'll never know. And also, just I like the concept of I I wanted to you know um, I was terrified of being stuck with the same thing. I was terrified of doing the same thing and not having my own independence. Mm. I wish that they had gotten there a little bit differently. Really? Besides, besides the toaster. Sure, sure. Why? But, but why? What's the difference? Like, that's that's it, it, it doesn't I, matter I what know. it is. Yeah, no, you're right. It's it's minor. It's minor enough, and also she makes big things out of little things all the time. So this is right, 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 right. So, but yeah, it's like the I'm not so sure. They just yeah. they have them give the realistic answers that you don't want them to give <laughs> on the TV it's, show, and it's great. Even on other episodes, this is a quite an episode of this show because in other episodes, Paul would say, you know, we would have figured it out and gotten through it. Right. And Jamie would say, and Jamie would say, yeah, we would have. Yes. I know. And that would have been the happy, nice true ending where you believe it. And that doesn't happen here. But it, it's also because with those, it's things that you would figure out potentially. Yeah. And with this, it's worse. That's true. And also, here's an interesting thing, because because it's about moments. And in this it's moment... It's about one moment. Sorry. <laughs> oh, boy. In this, mo- <laughs> in this moment, Paul and Jamie aren't at that, you know, wrap it all up in 22 minutes place. Yes. They're Even though they do. They do. <laughs> Which is crazy, because this movie feels... No, yeah. Movie. I'm calling it a movie, because it feels no, like a this, movie. It does. It feels... Yeah. It feels like this could be the end. Of things, yeah, but but it's not no, and just because they don't figure it out and talk it out now and come to a place where they're just like, hey, we'll get, we would have gotten through it and we'll get through it now. Just because they don't do that right now, right, it doesn't mean they don't do that. No, it's such a testament to marriage in their marriage. It's like it feels like it's like no, they take their vow. Like it's like in these moments, I'm like, oh, these are like the vows working. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, oh, the yeah. only reason we're doing this is because we know we made this commitment to each other, and we know that these these moments have like, 
and we don't want it to. We are devoted to trying to make the. Oh boy, this That's is very you know well who put, we sound man. like. I like that. Who's that. I remember the man on the street interviews that they were running on NBC when we were kids about the other episode <laughs> that's similar to this seasons from now, and it's married couples, and that we're their age now. We're not married, but like still, it's the it's, it's exactly we're like it's about their vows, like it's so, you know it's so uh. realistic and like marriage, you know. Um, so Jamie gets up after this. Not me. I would never allow it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he ought to kick it in the curb. You are right. Actually, that would be yeah, probably yeah. Um, so, Baba Booey. <laughs> <laughs> so Jamie gets up to do her goodbyes, uh, and Paul puts on his jacket, and Ira comes over. Cheryl dumped him. It stings. Yep. What's the matter with you? Cheryl dumped me. It stings. You know, in 45 minutes, first 20 were beautiful. I thought we had something. You two, very lucky. I'd, I would love a supercut of just people on the show telling Paul or Jamie they're very lucky. Yeah, I was thinking it too. Every episode. <laughs> Every it's, episode. It's, yeah. It, yeah. We, at, at one point, we're going to be like, are they? Yeah. <laughs> well, so how are they. Many times, how many times can you get wrapped? You know, oh, everything is bad except for the, oh, you're very lucky. <laughs> like, I sure yeah eventually people start saying could be worse yeah yeah <laughs> uh so paul grabs jamie to go uh yep. and ira calls out as they're about to leave paul and jamie for being the ones responsible for bringing together the happy couple which never happens at any wedding nope. ever and i was imagining i was like so ira must have gone over to the spotlight guy because the, the spotlight, spotlight appears guy. this a the spotlight guy <laughs> at the country club We've never seen a spotlight. No. There wasn't a spotlight for the bride and groom. Right. It's right. the spotlight dance for the friends <laughs> of the bride and groom who have their coats in their hands. Also, we had to go over there and be like, you see those two? You see the blonde and the, <laughs> the guy with the curly yeah. black hair? At some point, I'm going to introduce them as a couple that brought the couple together. <laughs> and that's what I want you to hit them with the light. Yeah, I would have loved for him to say, hit it, Jerry. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, so now they got a spotlight on them looking unhappy with their coats on and Iris pimping them into leading the next dance. Right. And Jamie looks at Paul and she does a soft gesture with her hand of like, uh, should we, are we going? What are we doing? Like, Let's go. Yeah. And Paul grabs her and they dance. Yeah. Ugh. Paul says, so you're saying it's the toast. That felt ADR'd. Might have been. And I hated it. I don't like any of the ADR. You don't need that. Why do you need that? Yeah, you don't, especially a nebulous line like that. Yeah, like yeah, she said yes, exactly. Like the response should be yeah, I said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I said <laughs> two minutes ago. Yeah, um, that's the end of the episode, and then there's and a they, tag. They, they dance off, and yeah, and uh, and the next episode, if I remember correctly, uh, begins with them living in different states. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, she moves to Pyramid, Oklahoma, or whatever that town's yeah. called. <laughs> um, uh, the tag is everybody doing it's the album. Very cap. fun. It feels like it's, it's just one of those fun tags where they like the whole it, cast is there, the waiters yeah. there, the bride and yeah. groom, everyone's screwing around. It's what you need in order to usher you into sisters. Yes, right. Well, the drama, sisters. The drama. <laughs> Cleanse that palate with the dance. What? So I mean, this is. Uh, Another exceptional episode. It's a really great one. Of television really, in general. Really this yeah. is why we're doing the podcast. 
Because no one talks about these episodes. And some of these are some of the greatest episodes that have ever been aired on television. We're doing a service. This is our calling. Yeah, we're heroes. We <laughs> yeah, people changed. You know, since 9-11, people have really changed uh, what they define as heroes. And uh, I'm taking that back. Uh, it's us. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, right. <laughs> sure. I want Jon Stewart to raise money for my health care. <laughs> Remember when we were going to call this podcast First Responders? Oh, can you imagine? <laughs> oh, that's oh my very gosh. funny. Uh, that is it for this week. John, we did it. We did it. It's a, uh, guys, it's a long one. This is a long but episode. You can see I have why. no regrets about the length of this episode. I mean, there's, it, it's, it's a testament to the density of their episode. It's a good one. Um, I've got the usual stuff. Squash on Tuesdays at the Magnet. First weekend uh, of the month. Friday night is the sequel at the Magnet. Uh, they are fun. I'm at Russ Fader on Twitter. We are at Mad About You Pod on, on Twitter. Twitter and on Facebook. And oh, that's it right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, like, right. I'd like to make a website at some point. Do that. I'm just I'm putting that out there. Now, you see, now that I've said it, I it's a verbal mm -hmm. commitment to you guys. <laughs> Thanks to the secret. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, I have the usual coming up. Nothing. Uh, Great. At Johnny Marbles, no age. But honestly, I haven't tweeted in a long time, and I only retweet the Mad About You one now, so don't even bother, <laughs> actually. <laughs> uh, if you haven't yet, please find us on iTunes. Rate, oh, review. Oh, yeah, right. Um, we love that. Thank you. Nice. It helps us out and uh, gets it's the word nice out. It's nice to hear from you folks, and yeah, it, it, it helps spread the word. Uh, and then more people can find out about this podcast. Yeah. Uh, some of you are sharing and liking and commenting. Yeah, thank uh, you. It's it's the best. We thank all of you so much. And uh, yeah, just thank you for listening. We really, really, really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. um, what a joy. Our theme song is written, produced, and performed by John D. Ivy. Our logo is written, produced, and performed by Nathan Biffy. Our sound is mixed, mixed, and mixed by Vuk Yovanovich. <laughs> uh, is that it? Yeah. I love it. Wait, do the, th uh, the closing. Yeah, I'm going. To. Oh, what, I, I think you're talking to me. I don't know. What, what do you mean? Is that it? What do you mean? <laughs> Folks, that's it for us. Oh, I'm <laughs> Russ Bader. I'm John Marbley. And, and this, this is, is what, what we're, we're saying. saying. Yeah. Is that it? <laughs>